Kinshasa. Welcome to PSVG Strong Style. I am one of your hosts, Delvin Cox. And with me, as always, the D. Malenko to my Eddie Guerrero. Yes. <laughs> my yes. boy, Johnny Reese. How you doing, brother? Greetings, freaking Koopalings, man. Mania was amazing. And I love your, your use. Uh, Eddie, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But my go-to submission when I am wrestling Jack is the Texas Cloverleaf. Because that submission is brutal. And, I, almost uh, messed, I almost messed up. I almost said the Crispin Wah. But that ain't a good one to use. So I said, Yikes. let me think of another radical quickly. quickly <laughs> At least you didn't go with Saturn, right? Yeah, Saturn, yeah, Saturn would have been that. way worse. He's my least favorite. <laughs> I saw the thing of Saturn. He's like homeless. I think that is true. I think he was homeless or something like that for a minute. That's insane. See? Like, there's your dark side of the ring. You know, after we released our our episode last week, um, I saw somebody tweet about Dark Side of the Ring, and they said, when are you going to do China? And I was like, yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Do China. Like, that's That's, that's a really good one. That would be an excellent one. I think there's so much material with that one. Do China and Saturn. Those are really good ones. All right. We got a lot to talk about, man. This is... One, we're back in the podcast. This is a kind of fast turnaround for us, but it's because <laughs> I got a message from Kevin today. He was like, um, "So, are you guys just doing this weekly now?" He's like, "You just announced <laughs> the show, and there's been four of them already." It's like, man, it's mania week. Like, this is the time to do it. Yeah, and let, let me just start off with this first. What did you think of mania overall? Because me, me, me and you, neither of us had high expectations for it. Nope. And I think that's a big part of um, a lot of folks' takeaways with this. And um, I thought night one of WrestleMania was pretty, I want to say excellent. I feel like that might be a little bit too much. I thought it was like really good. Like it was a really good show. Like the whole show overall, both shows ended on incredible notes. Like they both had really great, like exclamation points, big moments. I thought the card on night one was much better than the card on night two. Night yes, two I overall, I thought was uh, middling until the end. It was middling until the end uh, for the most part. But the first night's card was really, really strong. Uh, overall, I think it was a really good WrestleMania. I don't think it's the best WrestleMania. I think, uh, I think they outperformed anybody's expectation on the type of show that they could put on that didn't have any fans. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought there was a chance this might be the worst WrestleMania of all time. And it definitely was not that. And for that, I think you got to give them a lot of credit because they kind of had the uh, the deck stacked against them, right? Like, yeah, it was definitely. a pretty big challenge to put on WrestleMania without fans and without a stadium. And to still make it feel special and big. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I have some notes because I was trying to think up some things that I wanted to say, but without spoiling it, uh, here's what I, here's like my big takeaway. Every WrestleMania has moments that you remember forever. And very seldom do you remember WrestleMania like the entire card, the entire show. Um, and a lot of WrestleManias have weak matches or weak segments. Every WrestleMania usually has one or two highlights that you'll always remember. And when when you talk about your friends, you're like, man, you remember 
that one year that they did this? You remember that year that Mankind went off the top? You remember the one time, you know, that Rock met Hogan? You remember the one time that Michaels met and met the Taker? You know, like they have those moments. This WrestleMania has those moments. It will always be remembered forever. And I, for, for that very reason, I huge, huge clap, like huge ovation. Well done, WWE. I will go as far as to say this. There was no match or any night that was offensively bad. I think I'm okay to agree with you. I think there were I, a co- oh, there were a couple matches that were just okay, but that's okay. Yeah. And uh, when you have a card with a 50 plus year old Goldberg in a match against somebody who wasn't even supposed to be there, it is not offensively bad. That's saying something. That's true. That's true. So I guess let's start from the beginning. What was your highlights from night one? Night one, um, which to start with the with the big one, then the boneyard match, um, completely blow blew me away. I do have some notes that I read. Um, this comes from Russell Talk. They got an interview. Uh, a lot of fans have probably watched this or seen clips of it, but they may not know what went behind it. So I just wanted to rattle off here a few facts for everybody to take home with them. Um, the set took five days to build and took a week to break down. The entire match that we saw for like what was like roughly like 20 minutes, I think, that yes. took uh, eight hours to shoot overnight. And like a handful of people, dozens of people, like 30, 40 people. The, the original plan was to have Taker ride his motorcycle across a bridge and down the road. And they scrapped it for what you see him driving. Like you kind of see him, it kind of looks like a driveway. And the reason that it looks off all off road, I thought this was interesting, was there were fears that if they showed him driving across a bridge, somebody would bring up the note that they did not have a permit to 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 film on that bridge because um, it's city right away, uh, and they didn't want to run into anything, so they cut all that. The r- promos were one hundred percent improved by Taker and AJ. It was completely approved by Triple H, so uh, Triple H was on site with. Um, uh, oh, I already, I should have wrote down the other guy's names. I forgot the, uh, the other, the, the guy that did all the production, um, like the old announcer from TNA impact. Um, you're talking about what is, is it, his name? He came up with the, um, he helped Matt Hardy with the, um, yeah, yeah. Same guy. Broken, broken. Matt I want to say, is it Bordash? Borish? Jeremy Borash. Thank you. Borash. Um, so he was there. Triple H was there and, um, so they were, and, uh, and Michael Hayes, Triple H and Michael Hayes were lead kind dude, of dude, creative dude. on this. <laughs> so, uh, they said that they wanted to improv all of their writing and Triple H let them, you know, and, and I think a lot of fans should know that because a lot of times, one of the things that I do, one of the things that always strikes me with like wrestling podcast is anytime something is good, all of the credit goes to the wrestlers and anytime anything is bad, all of the blame goes to executives and executives never get any of the credibility when it's good. And the wrestlers, the talent never get any of the blame when it's bad. And I always kind of hate that. So I love that somebody actually went on record and was like, no, like triple H was very involved with this. and was very good. Um, the last thing that I wrote down is that blood, like the, the, the blood moment where taker punches a window. Yes. When I first saw it, I thought it was like a prop. I thought it was like stage makeup. Um, because the whole thing was set. It wasn't like he 100% improv punched the window and actually cut his arm. And um, it was kind of let my mistake. And apparently they even went as far as shooting it. They shot the scene again from the other side 
Um, <laughs> but they thought the blood looked cool and it wasn't like a, a, a big cut. So they just left it. They were like, no, nah, nah, we'll just do it. But they actually turned the, 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 the hearse around and they were going to reshoot it. You know, when I saw that, I immediately thought of Goldberg. Yeah, of course. I thought that I actually <laughs> thought it was like a, I thought it was like a stage thing to kind of make you think of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I did too. But it wasn't. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> he actually just punched a window and like Goldberg actually like, ripped his arm open. Well, at least he was smart to actually have the thing to bust the window open with. There you go. Unlike Goldberg, who's dumb himself, <laughs> just try to do a, I'm strong. Yeah, fast. That um, wasn't smart. So my highlight, man, this match was incredible. So AJ arrives in the hearse. I think we all expected, you know, it to be like Taker or somebody. He's the undertaker, you know, for him to drive the hearse or be at least, you know, pulling out the coffin. AJ comes out of the coffin. Taker comes flying down like this old dirt road. She's American badass biker taker. Right. He's got the bandana. He's got the the, the leather biking pants uh, cruising down to the tunes of Metallica on the way. He gets out and these dudes just have a freaking street brawl where they just punch the hell out of each other and throw each other into anything that they can possibly find. You know what I liked about it a lot? It wasn't a match where AJ Styles was trying to do a Styles clash or anything like that. I'm trying to do special moves. They were just beating the crap out of each other. It was and it was varied. It wasn't just punches. It was yes. very varied. They used all the stuff. Like AJ tackled him through a wall. They used the uh, the John Deere tractor. They used the uh, the hole in the ground, the pit, the 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 grave, the grave site. They used that. Like they they brought everything into the match. The the building itself. Um, they had like some crazy gimmicks where they had like the lights and all the minions come out of the wall. You saw the OC get involved, um, you know, and like, we still got some stuff. Like we got like a fireball and we got a tombstone and a choke slam. Um, but you, you're right. It wasn't like a clothesline. It looked like a fight. It looked like you were having yeah. like a, like a, like a fight. And it played out like a fight in terms of like, I'm going the big dude. Yeah. Compared to AJ Styles. So most of the fight, AJ Styles was getting his butt handed to him, and it made sense. Yep. And one, first and foremost, the production value of this was amazing. Oh. It looked like a movie. So it reminded me so much. I, I tweeted this. I was like, I feel like I'm watching Sons of Anarchy. Yes. It reminded me of Sons of Anarchy. Kind of meets like, um, like Chuck Norris, Texas Ranger. <laughs> yes. You remember like all those fight scenes from from Texas yes. Ranger? That's exactly what this looked, it looked like. A USA Network like scripted fight scene, and they had like. Uh, cameras from above and then cameras from below and you got a lot of quick sh uh, takes nothing ever like you never really saw any one shot for a long period of time uh, unless it was like promo related unless it was like writing everything was constantly moving it felt fast like it, it really like the entire thing felt like it was moving along yeah and i like the fact that throughout the fight just like in a regular a real fight they were talking trash to each other yep and it wasn't silly stuff. It was like stuff you think you would hear people say in a fight. So it didn't feel hokey at all when the way they did it. And I like that even the moments that could have been hokey, like the Druids coming out and attacking on the ticket. Yeah. It felt cool. I think uh I think some of the stuff felt hokey, but I think one of the best things about this segment, um, one of the things that really made it successful is the fact that AJ and the and the club can be hokey. Like that's kind of yeah. what they do. So it felt like it fit. Right? It didn't feel like it was out of place. Like AJ with his big southern twang and all that. Like that felt right. 
you know, so it was, e- it was almost easier to, to listen to if it had been somebody else. I don't know how, how well that would have, it might've been a little bit more jarring and noticeable, you know, if it wasn't somebody like AJ who hasn't uttered tons of hokey lines in the past. I will say this. And I actually thought about this match a lot. This may be in my top five favorite Undertaker matches. Uh, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. It's just because it was so well done, and it felt like, to me at least, I felt like this should have been a, this should be his last match. Ooh, that's the good question. This is a perfect send off for the Undertaker because he tweeted or he put on Instagram, "It's been a hell of a ride." Which makes everybody wonder if that's that's it for him. And I think this match has a lot of people hoping that it's not, that he does another one of these. Um, I think he should leave on a high note. I would agree. I think, oh, man, this this could be a long conversation. But I ultimately want to say is I don't think he can top it. He can make something no. good. It doesn't mean it has to be bad. But I think the whole kind of swirl of coincidence, the fact that we didn't have fans that kind of forced this to happen, the fact that we've never done anything really like this, especially like since the 90s, like they used to have some really like cheesy Undertaker promos, but we've never seen a match like this with him. The fact that they did all of this and the fact that it was like so personal that they used each other's real names, that they use each other's wives names, that they brought like all of that extra stuff into it. He could do it again with somebody else and it could be fun. Um, but I don't think it'll ever be, it'll never top the moment you saw it. Like for the first time, this has got that first time appeal where it was like, wow, this was so good because it was the first time, you know, I had told you last week on the podcast that I was excited for the taker undertaker match or for the taker AJ match. I told you I was excited for Bracina because I thought they could do something that would surprise us. I had no faith that they would do it, but I thought it could be great. And I even underestimated my own imagination. I never imagined it'd be half as good as both of them were. I think I would like to see them continue to do the stuff like this, but do it with different people. Like after the match, Mick Foley tweeted that um, WWE next year y'all can do this for me. I would please put do- me in next year's Boneyard match. So um, I don't want to like fantasy book it, but one of the ideas that I came to my mind was if they did it again. Let's say Taker was going to do it again. I would love it if they set up some sort of maybe like round two. And it was the OC and AJ, like maybe they come back for revenge and maybe they really start to like gang up on Taker and Taker's friends come back and it's like Kane and, and Mankind. That'd be cool. That would be like really, really cool. And then you just had like a square off of, of these two of these two little groups. Um, but I, I agree that I would like to see it continue. But think about it. One of the things I don't think a lot of people are, are really thinking about is like a, especially like weekly TV or pay-per-views. Dude, this took five days to build, eight hours to shoot, and a week to take down, and 30 or 40 people, plus a production crew and cameras, and executives on site for 20 minutes of match. Yeah, this so has to be a once-a-year type thing. It's a special thing. You can't do this a lot. And here's the other thing. The more you do it, the less special it will be. Yes. You almost And that's another thing. You, you probably don't even want to make it like a WrestleMania thing. You probably just want to pick and choose when to do something like this and maybe not even let people know, like you want it to yeah. be a surprise. You want to catch people off guard. Uh, Cause the novelty is the, is what sells the whole thing. Yeah. To be clear, it doesn't necessarily have to be a boneyard match. It could sure. be just something of this high production, this high caliber. Well, have you ever seen, have you ever watched like Lucha Underground? 
Yes, I am. So they do this stuff all the time. It's kind of like what they're like, their whole show is kind of set up. So it's like soap opera with just wrestling matches in between. And I would say like, it definitely loses its luster pretty quickly when you see it often. I think the thing that really set this apart was one, it was taker. Like the, you can't, you can't, you can't overlook how much the gimmick helped sell this, right? If it wasn't taker, it wouldn't have worked. And you yes. could do it something else, right? You could do a different segment or something else, but if it's not taker and it's not in the cemetery and everything, like what does that really look like? It may not be as good as we think. Maybe it's better, but I don't know. I, I think because it's taker and, and his universe that he's built for 40 years already includes all these crazy things. I think it worked. I don't know how much it works if you do it with other people. I agree. I, I agree. I think, like I said, they've opened themselves up for new opportunities, new things that people can look forward to. It's just like they have to do it with this. They have to take the ball and run with it. This shows, this should show them at least that people will like to see different things for WWE. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And I'm actually a little upset that they haven't put the segments up on YouTube yet. I know they're going to re-air the Boneyard match tonight during Raw. I would really love to see YouTube numbers on both of these things. Because I bet you if they had released them like they normally do the day after, I bet the numbers on these things would be through the roof. Yes, um, Because they are all the rage and they are all the talk. The entire wrestling world has been flipped upside down by these two segments that WWE has put on. And they haven't done anything this refreshing since the attitude era. It's been a long time since you've had so many people tweeting, like regular celebrities have nothing to do with, they're all talking about WrestleMania. They're all talking about these matches. They're talking about taker. Um, and so I agree with you. It would behoove them to capitalize on it while they could, um, and, and continue to promote stuff like this. Well, since you mentioned it, we might as well talk about that one part. Now, Sean Ross from fightful.com tweeted out that WWE, just passed along a note stating that, of course, according to Nielsen's, Nielsen's, Nielsen's social Nielsen rating. Social, I can't talk now. WrestleMania has passed 13.8 million social media interactions. This is a 57% increase from last year and the most from WWE history. So it's viral. Like, we don't know ratings yeah. and we don't know pay-per-view buys. But we do know that this thing is trending. It's trending all over Twitter, Facebook, social media, YouTube. Like people are watching it. They're interested in it. They're talking about it. They've struck lightning. Like they've got lightning in a bottle. Um, like I said, it feels it feels like the Attitude Era. Like when everybody knew what Stone Cold was doing because it was a, like a part of the zeitgeist. Like we were all watching it. You know, I have I've had people today like I got the network just to see this. Like they're tweeting me like I got the network today because of you because of what you're saying about like there are people like oh, I've got to see this because it's not the same old wrestling you've seen over and over again you know like those fans have come and gone but this is something brand new they've never seen before and that could invite them back in like this could kind of capture some of that um, uh, casual audience that WWE has lost year over year and this is the interesting thing about it because the conversation has been that WWE is trying to sell the rights to their pay-per-view and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're trying to raise their pay-per-view price up. But moments like this kind of tell you maybe you should slow down on that. Or or I would go the opposite way. Maybe people that are interested in buying the rights to, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, what's the next one? Money in the Bank? Maybe yes. Amazon wants to stream Money in the Bank, or maybe uh, you know, like Netflix wants Money in the Bank. Maybe they tell WWE, "We'll buy it 
if you do another segment like you did at WrestleMania? Maybe this yeah. becomes a part of it. What if USA and Fox is like, wait a minute, we want one of those every week. Like, we want you to start doing this. Um, yeah. We might see yeah. stuff like that happen, too. It's super cool that they did this. It's super cool they put themselves in this situation that they're in. I hope that they follow through with this and build up on this. Let me ask you a question. If you could have had WrestleMania in a packed stadium full of fans and no, like, bad coronavirus, right? Like, just think, take all that out of the way, just hypothetically. Would you have preferred having standard WrestleMania without these two matches or the WrestleMania we got with zero fans and no fanfare in stadium, but you had these two matches? I honestly think the way it was, was perfect. The Bray Wyatt thing, which I know we're going to talk about, I think is my favorite thing I've ever seen in wrestling. And I'm so thankful that the circumstances led us to having this, because if those circumstances weren't the case, we never, ever would have gotten this Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match. We would have had standard in the ring, you know, 12 minute matches like WWE style, like they've always done. We would have seen John Cena come in, get beat up, come back, go down. We would have seen the same thing that we always see. But because of the circumstances, they had to go outside the box and they absolutely killed it. And uh, like you, I hope that this, at least I hope they've proved to themselves or if somebody's proved to Vince or however that stuff is getting done over there, that they should maybe do something a little bit more, um, do this a little bit more often. Okay, good, good, good. So what are some other highlights you think of from night one thus far that we can talk about? Oh, let's answer this question first. I think this question was from um, Shellshock on Twitter. Do you guys think some filler matches shouldn't have been a part of the card, like Elias and Corbin? I was so sad to see that. I love Corbin. Um, I know he gets a raw deal, and I used to hate him too. Like when he was doing like that weird bald mullet biker thing, I was like, this guy is getting annoying. But he is so annoying. Like he's become one of the best heels on the on the entire roster. Like he does the annoying heel thing really, really well. Um, I think when he's been in better feuds. I think it does well. I don't think like uh, they've never, they've never really built Corbin and they definitely have never built Elias. So like this wasn't like a, a prominent spot for them, but I love both of those talents. Like I think they're both very, very good. And I liked the match actually. I thought the match was solid. It wasn't too long. Um, it had a, like pace. It had a little story. So I thought they got in and got out. Um, but like I said in the past, Every WrestleMania has filler matches. Like you have to. Like what are you gonna you can't just have the main card. You gotta have something that gets you there. And uh so I was okay with it. I, I like those matches and I really like both those guys. If anything, I hope maybe it sets them up for future things. I'd like to f- see them get away from each other and kind of get more involved in the title scene. I will say this. I don't mind the filler match because you have to have the kind of bathroom break, break matches and matches to kind of bring people down from the high they're experiencing because it's kind of like it's weird because with wrestling fans, when you're watching a match, you kind of need those matches that kind of, okay, this match was incredible hot. We need someone to cool us off a little bit yeah. to get us hyped for the next big thing. Yep. And that's how wrestling kind of works. You kind of have the ebbs and flows in terms of, okay, this is our big this start, usually like WCW is really good with this in terms of they start off Nitro with a hot cruiserweight match. So then you get all hyped from Nitro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you kind of see like a promo from Hogan letting you know what's going on through the night and stuff like that. Then you get the 
disco inferno match and stuff like that. Yeah. To bring you down from the hype that you got. Before the main event. Before the main event. And I think that's very important in wrestling to keep you on that kind of emotional roller coaster so you can keep yourself interested in the show. Plus, the filler matches make the talent. Those are opportunities for the talent to show you something, to win you over. Um, and all of our great stars that we all love, they were all working filler matches. Edge and Christian used to do filler matches every week. Matt and Jeff Hardy did filler matches for years before they became, you know, title contenders and stars. Uh, the Rock was a dude just living in the mid card. So you got to have it, you know, because it allows like those filler matches allow the top guys that aren't uh, like working in a, in a main storyline. It allows them to come down and shine a little light on, on the up-and-coming stars, right? I agree. Okay, let's talk about the next big match that we're going to talk about from um, night one. You want to talk about the Owens versus Rollins match? Or you want to talk about the Goldberg-Braun match? Let's start with Goldberg. Okay. This is one that we kind of were iffy on because the whole Roman Reigns thing, he didn't do Mania, which for valid reason, Mm -hmm. and they replaced him with Braun Strowman. So the big question we had, Coming into this was, would they give Braun the strap? And then another question I had that we had was the fact that Goldberg cannot lift Braun Strowman. <laughs> so the jackhammer was not happening. And surprisingly, what they gave us was a short, entertaining squash match. Yeah. So what did you think of that? I thought it was one of my least favorite matches on the card. Like the entire show. And I, and I like... And it's it is it probably is because I've never really liked Goldberg, but I think even that aside, I mean I get exactly what they were trying to do. You get the spectacle and all the finishers and whatnot, but like as a match, the match made little to no sense. Um, just like the match itself made little to no sense. Like Braun even being there made little to no sense. So the fact that you had all of this build and everything, and that the way that you cashed it all out, like when it was all said and done, what you walked away with was four spears and four power slams and a new champ. I wasn't into it. I think this was best case scenario for what they gave us. And I feel like this could have been a lot worse in terms of like, so when I saw Braun, I'm like, okay, that's great. The game's about the Braun. They're trying something different. That's great. They're not going to try to force Goldberg down our throats. And the way they gave it to Braun, Braun was pretty dominant in the match. He ate four spears. Yeah. And got up and shook it off and powered. Doesn't it like, there's, there's nothing that's upset with you. You've seen all the people take a spear and then how like devastating Goldberg's supposed to be. And then Braun Strowman of all people who lost his title to Sami Zayn gets speared four times and just stands up and then wins. Yeah. I had that argument yesterday. I'm like, okay, so the feed was this unstoppable force that was demolishing everybody. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Like it makes Took a spear. And a, a sorry jackhammer and lost to Goldberg. It's basically like a suplex, and he was down. Yes. Like we're talking yes. about somebody he got he got curb stomped like eight times. <laughs> Daniel Bryan gave him like a million yes kicks, and it yes. was a spear and a suplex, and he's down. But Braun can take like all of it and just like you said, literally just stand up and then power slam Goldberg to death. And I mean, I don't know. A lot of it is probably my bias. I've never liked Goldberg. Um, I never thought he was a really great performer. I still don't. And uh, I really, and I, I'm not saying this to be like a hot take guy. I really think this match was probably one of the less like prominent matches on the entire card. Uh, 
I would much rather watch the Corbin Elias match. That match had a story. That match had a build. They told that story and they went home. That all of those things they did better than Goldberg. Like Goldberg Braun was just spectacle. And I am I am with you. I'm glad that they put the strap on Braun. Hopefully they will get a run out of him and they'll actually kind of lift him up to that spot. He should have been in that spot two or three years ago. He was ready to do it. And they cooled him off. So hopefully they make good on that now. But it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel justified. You know, I you know I tweeted this. The word that I would use it felt cheap. The whole thing felt cheap. And I realized they had their hands tied behind their back because it was supposed to be Roman. Like yeah. that's it was supposed to be Roman. It, it felt cheap, but let's be honest. The whole Goldberg angle was cheap. And I thought Roman would have been a better match, to be honest with you, because yeah. um not that Braun wouldn't, because I'm sure he would, but it's just the size of Braun makes it hard to sell it. But Roman would have sold for Goldberg like crazy. You would have yes. seen drooling Roman lifting himself up in the corner after every spear and keep fighting. And, you know, like he would have sold that underdog route. You really can't do that with Braun because he's 380 pounds. He's six foot 10. Like you can't have him crawling around like <laughs> you know, trying to fight from underneath. He's Braun Strowman. He has to fight on top. He's a monster. So he's got to be booked like the monster. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that. Like I said, the situation was a raw deal in the first place. Yeah, I'm glad that they got it out the way and it wasn't offensive. I don't know if I'm glad about it. I'm just I'm happy we can turn the page and start to move on from this because it was garbage. Definitely. So what was some more highlights? Uh, oh, oh, let's get oh, before we do that, let's get to your question. The question that we had. Another question from Marty. Do you think Strummer would have ever gotten the strap if they weren't basically forced into the situation? And how long do you think his title reign will be? Do I think he ever would have gotten it? Yeah, he was definitely going to get it at some point. I, I was interesting with Strowman because he came in with um, he came in with the Wyatts, and he wasn't there long, like sixty days, and he was out of the Wyatts in his own thing. So you could almost tell, like his size and everything, that they had big plans for him, right? And he, he came up, and they kind of pushed him up there. They got him real hot. They had him just super hot when the crowd was all anti-Roman. We hate Roman. They got Braun up there to do all the crazy things. He basically beat Roman up for six months and was over. Like, he was the dude. Get these hands. He won the title with the little kid. Like, he was the guy. And uh, I was almost sure, like, they were going to put the belt on him and run with it. And I don't know what happened. But something happened. Because not only did they, like, farm him out, but they jobbed him out for, like, six months. He was losing to everybody. He got hurt for a little bit. And then since then, he's been, like, a comedy act. Um, you know, and some of it's been great. One of my favorite things that Braun Strowman's ever did was the mix match challenge where he was team little big with Alexa bliss. That was amazingly like hilarious. That was great entertaining stuff, but he's never been taken seriously. Even like I said, lost to Sami Zayn in our continental title. Like, you know, like this is a thing that happens with him quite a bit, or he gets booked like the dumb oaf. That's another thing that's been happening. They make him look stupid. He keeps losing matches because he's, you know, too dumb. You know, to realize he gets counted out because he's mad and starts throwing things and stuff like that. That's stupid stuff. Um, so I always thought he would get the belt eventually. Um, how long do I think his reign will be? That's a that's a question. That's a really good question because I don't know. I really don't. I would love to tell you that he'll have the belt next year. But I don't think so. Um, I don't know if he's a transitional champ. Like, I don't know if he's going to lose at SummerSlam or what. Um, but I do know the original plan was to put it on Roman. And maybe Roman backing out has changed that. Maybe they won't like immediately go back to him or something. 
But um, I don't know. I just I don't know if Strowman. The problem with the monster. This has always been the case with wrestling. This is not really a Strowman thing. The problem with the monster is it's hard to book them on top for too long, because you build the monster as the build to get there. But once he's there, there's no more build. Like what else are you gonna do? He's just gonna beat up people, and um, I don't know how many people you can just feed to to Braun, um, you know, and have like a healthy title scene, and and it stays entertaining and it doesn't feel repetitive you know like how many matches can braun give you that's just not power slam power slam pin and i would like to add to that how many matches can you give you as a baby face yeah as a champ that's gonna be a whole other thing like before he turns yeah because baby face braun is not compelling I, i i don't mind baby face braun i think there's always a spot for that guy but I do think it wears out its welcome, you know, and I think that's the issue that we've seen with like Big Show, you know, like yeah. he can go back and forth whenever you want. But like, it's really hard to just book them straight that way because they're so big, like in a real world, he'd crush most people. So what is what's the story you're going to tell? You're probably going to set up some sort of Goliath story, right? And then you're going to set up, you know, some sort of Goliath David thing. And then uh, but eventually you're going to run into a situation where you've got to start telling fresh stories. And the great thing about performers um, so some other performers, they can carry that, that belt and play different roles and they can do that in different styles of matches with different people. And I just don't know how much Braun is going to be able to do that. I agree. Cause you're going to see a lot of the same things every week. You're going to see, get these hands, see anger, you're going to see him destroy something, put somebody through a table. But if we see that on raw and the next raw and the next raw and the next raw, like then what are you going to do? You got to start doing something. Yeah, I think it's going to be a short title already. That's my guess. He's not a good promo either. That's a big part of it. Like, can, yeah. like you can Seth Rollins, you can give him the mic. Kevin Owens, you can give him the mic. Roman, you can give him the mic and go, we need 10 minutes from you. Yeah, you can't really do that with Braun. I say, so do you feel good about that with Braun? Like, Braun is kind of like Goldberg, good in, like, short doses. Angry, get these hands, you know, like 30 seconds tops. You can't have him out there talking for four minutes. I agree. I think he might need a mouthpiece. He might need a mouthpiece. That would be a good idea. I, I like Heyman with Braun would be great. Um, he could use a mouthpiece. I agree. All right. What other good matches we got to talk about? Want to talk about? Oh, let's go to the Owens Wallace match. What did you think about that one? It was a good match. Um, did you see my tweet about Far Cry? No, I didn't. I said, I love that uh, Seth Rollins' character is just Joseph Seed from Far Cry 5. It's just the same <laughs> the same exact character. <laughs> um, a good match. Good pace. Hard hitting, which I liked a lot. Like, really, I thought their match kind of raised the bar on, on, the, on the first night's card in terms of, like, intensity. And yeah. I think you always get that from Kevin Owens. And then you get the huge big spot at the end, which was really, really awesome. Even without a huge fan. Um, I still kind of pop to see Kevin do that because Kevin, uh, if you've ever followed like his indie career, Kevin Owens always does crazy stunts like this. He's done them forever. Uh, like he does the, the pyramid of chairs and jumping off the of turnbuckles and going through tables. Uh, he likes doing that. So I thought going off of that, that I don't even know what you call it, that big light stand stadium, whatever it was, that was unique too. It wasn't like the same thing. It wasn't off the cage. It wasn't something we've already seen. It was completely new. It was completely brand new. Um, so I, I like that. I, I thought it was a I thought it was a good match. Not the best match on the card, but definitely one of the better matches on the card. 
And uh, I, I thought it was solid, solid mid-card bout. I agree. What do you think is next for well, both of these guys? What do you think next for Kevin Owens and um, Seth Rollins? I, I got to look up the rosters. I, I don't know. You have to carry so, me here. So, so it has to be uh, Roman Reigns, Kofi Kingston. Uh, who else is on SmackDown? Biggie, of course. I think is Cesaro on SmackDown? So SmackDown is Roman, Bray, all those guys. And then uh, Raw is Seth, Kevin, those other dudes. Oh, so then this works out for my other plan, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. But if I'm correct, Dolph Ziggler's on SmackDown, right? I'm 90% sure Dolph Ziggler's on SmackDown. I feel like I should know this, but like every time I get on a podcast, I feel like I can't remember anything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if Dolph Ziggler's on, Dolph Ziggler's on SmackDown, so I'll say Dolph Ziggler, um, people like that will be. Okay. I got it. Raw. I got it. I got it. So, current Raw roster is AJ, Alistair Black, Lashley, Murphy, McIntyre, um, Kevin Owens, um, obviously the, the club, Ricochet, Samoa Joe, Titus O'Neil. And then the the SmackDown folks are everybody else. So yeah, so all the things I just said like don't make any sense because I can't that can't happen. Um, Dolph is on SmackDown. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna leave this up now since I've got and it. And Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan is on SmackDown too, right? Yep. So you've got Drew McIntyre who's babyface champ, um, and you've got Kevin Owens who's babyface, Ricochet who's a babyface. Um, but- yeah, Owens and Rollins is on. Rollins Raw. is a heel, so you could you could easily go to Rollins for McIntyre. I mean, that makes sense. You could even do a triple threat match. You could do McIntyre AJ. Yes, that's another one. But they don't have a whole lot of heels. Um, Eric Young, but that, I mean, that's a big promotion for him. I mean, I don't know. And AJ even seems weird because like he just got buried. I mean, Orton. McIntyre Orton? Yeah, that's one. That's a good one. And then, uh, so for um, for Braun, let's see here. We've got Rude and Nakamura. Those are two guys you could feed to him. Got, you've got Bray. You could do Brock. If I don't know if he's around. You could do uh, Baron Corbin. They're definitely doing Baron Corbin. <laughs> I can see that happen. And that's that's kind of it. Roman. Like that's, I mean, there's not a whole lot there in terms of if you're keeping Braun, uh, like a face, you could absolutely do like, you could do Ziggler, right. And just have him get ran over or something like that. But you can only do that for like a show or two. You can't, that's not going to be like a real feud, like a real feud for Braun would be, uh, Brock, Bray, Roman, or Daniel Bryan. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I just thought about one for, um, for Raw and when he comes back. Andrade against um, McIntyre. Do you It'll think? Do you think that's for a guy that's just coming off suspension? Do you think that's like a hell of a promotion just to throw him up there right away? Well, is he still on suspension or is he sick? Uh, I thought he broke the wellness policy, and that's why he was suspended. I think you did. I think I think you're correct. Well, we've seen Stranger Things, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure they can work something out. I mean. I I don't want to see Braun versus Brock. Like yes. just because Brock's not around. Like if if one thing that I would like to see from Braun Strowman is I'd like to see the belt defended weekly. I would love to get back to where the championships are defended every week. That would be great. 
<laughs> well, to be clear, we wouldn't see Braun versus Brock because Brock is on Raw unless he pulled a crap he did last time. Oh, okay. I'm I'm looking at um what culture and they've got Brock listed as. Okay, SmackDown. I can tell you why because remember Braun Braun Brock was on SmackDown. Oh, that's but right. He, he left to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was dumb. Okay, and you that's another thing because we don't have like the Raw after Mania. We don't know if folks are like switching brands. That's another thing that they might do. They might shuffle this up a little bit, too. Okay. I got some more things. Well, let's get to... Um, let's shoot through some of these because I want to get to night, too. Yeah. Let's, what did you think of Becky versus Sh- Shayna? I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I thought they... I, I liked the match. I thought it was a good match. Um, I like the intensity. I, I think it was good that they they let Becky kind of seem like Shayna's equal. You know, it was very like push and pull, tug of war, um, tit for tat. You know, like it was a constant, you know, it was constantly, it was a good fight. So I like that. Um, I'm okay with the finish. I know a lot of people aren't. A lot of people immediately went to the Vince's bearing NXT women. Again, whenever time people get upset, it's always Vince's fault. It's Vince's fault for everything. <laughs> um, but I told you before, like this feud didn't have much juice for me. I don't think they did a really good job of building Shayna. She came into Elimination Chamber and she basically just ripped through like the women's C team. Like none of the people in that match were like top level stars. So to me, it never really felt like Becky Lynch, even though her build since, you know, last year hasn't been stellar, is one of the most recognizable stars on the roster. She's one of the most popular people they have. It makes no sense to me to have Becky lose to Shayna. I agree. I think I don't like the fact of how they made her win, but I think they're building a story with that, so I'm going to hold judgment past that. Plus, you know, for all the people that are upset that Shayna lost, like, Shayna was in WrestleMania with the women's champion. That's a huge spot for her. Like It's a, oh, it's a hell of a promotion from NXT sub-main card last year at TakeOver. You know, like, you know, so it's I don't know. Wrestling's not always about getting what you want. Sometimes it's about not getting what you want too. Sometimes when you don't get what you want, and I say this Bray Wyatt fan, sometimes when you don't get what you want, it makes you want it more. <laughs> and it kind yeah. of like endears you more to the character. So yeah. there's there could be yeah. something there too. All right. So let's get to the last match of night one. The ladder match. What did you think of the ladder match? I liked it a lot, by the way. I thought the ladder match was good. Um, I did think some of the... Some of the spots were definitely like edited and scripted. There were a few of those in a couple of the matches where you could definitely tell like the camera angle was hiding something or it was like a quick cut. And you were like, well, wait a second. They probably reshot that and whatnot. Um, so it was a little weird to see that after seeing live shows for so many years. Um, so I, I think I noticed those kind of, you know, more than I normally would. I think it's super weird that we had a tag match with no tag teams. Like that was, yeah. I still think that was such a weird way of doing this. Very um, weird, but. I like the I like the triple threat match. It was a good match. Some of the spots were creative, and that is really hard thing to say because it feels like everything that could possibly be done with a ladder has been done. Um, you know, like that's a heavy thing to do to try and live up to the standards that people have done with ladder matches. And um, I don't think it was the best ladder match I've ever seen, but I definitely think it was a very good one, and uh, it was very creative and it was it was good. I like the I like the the overall showing. I agree. I thought. 
Honestly, I thought it was probably John Morrison's best match since he's been back. Since oh, for sure. No, that's easy. It was definitely his best yeah. match since he's been back. I don't think it's his best ladder match, though. Like, overall. No, he had that Mania match with CM Punk, and then, like, that, that, was, was, that was a good one. I don't think this one was better than that one. Um, yeah. But it was good. Like, it was definitely lived up to the standards of a ladder match. They they bumped around. They broke a lot of stuff. The super kicks were hilarious. My son popped for, uh, was it was it Jimmy Uso? Yes. Uh, when he started yelling pancake boys at Kofi after he super, <laughs> my son thought that was the funniest thing in the world. He's yelling that. He woke up today going pancake boys. Like <laughs> that's his thing, man. Like he loves it. So it was good. That was great. It was good. Like I said, night one, the entire card did, did a good job. Even the opening, like, uh, Alexa bliss and, and, uh, Nikki got the tag belts back. That was a really good tag team match. From yes. compared to the tag matches that I've seen women put on. And uh, I think Asuka carried that match a long way. Like, it was a great showing for Asuka. She looked great. Um, so smooth there. And that was a match that had a lot of, like, cuts and edits, you could tell. But it was a good match. They brought a lot of energy. It was fast-paced. They did a lot of creative things, good uh, tag team moves. I like seeing that. And the women, that's something you don't get a lot from the girls in tag matches. You don't get a lot of uh, team spots. Whereas, like, you watch, like, a team like the Revival or the New Day, they have all kinds of those. You know, they come out of the woodwork. So, it was nice seeing some of those. Uh, I think the overall, the entire card on uh, night one, like, really shows a good card. I agree. Now, let's get into night two. This is what I want to talk we're about. We're almost night an hour two. in, and now we're going to finally talk about it? <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, what do you want to get the small stuff out of the way first? We get no, big- no. I've, the whole reason we're having this show is I want to talk about the Bray Wyatt match. Sure. Oh, the my Bray Wyatt- that might be the only thing we get to because the Bray Wyatt match is a lot to talk about. Oh my we got- fucking God, Delvin. Like, this match blew my freaking mind. Um, I got all kinds of notes, and but I know that uh, we, I don't want to say we share differing opinions, but I know we don't have the same opinion. So I'm going to let you go first. Um, I don't want to say I hated it because I didn't hate it at all. I just feel like it's weird. I don't know what to think about it. It's almost like I don't want to judge it because it feels like it's art. It is art. It's, it's masterful a, art. It's not. It's not a. It wasn't a. First of all, it's not a match. It was a match. It, it wasn't. A we match. had a it finish. Was, we had a pin. And it was a Firefly Funhouse match. It was like a think piece almost. It was incredible. It, it was weird. It was interesting. It was brand new. Uh, it was novel. It was unique. I think when I when it first started, I was like, "This is kind of cool. This is kind of John Cena. This is your life." I wanted to see them lead more into that, and I like I like the fact that it, it turned from John Cena. This is your life to more of a WWE social commentary, which was fun. With the with the whole even the whole NWO thing was really cool. I loved that aspect of it, and I feel like. Hey, Bischoff somewhere smiling at that aspect of it. I think he tweeted me a, last night. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> it was it was um social commentary on WWE that I feel like will go over a lot of people's heads. Oh, it definitely will. But if you get it, you get it and you love it. Even if you don't get it, I still think it was entertaining. Cause I've seen people get it. And love it. And I see people who absolutely hate it. My son and wife, they don't get it like I get it. And they still loved it. 
they absolutely loved it because they thought it was really entertaining. I think if you're a John Zeta fan, you'll like it a lot because it's it's basically a tribute to John Zeta. I would like to see more of it, John John Zeta tribute in terms of like when he like when they show John like first when they show Bray Wyatt as Kurt Angle and John Zeta. Is, can I can I get in? Yeah, you want knock yourself out. <laughs> All right. Oh my God, this is again uh, for for the record. I think this is the f- best thing I've seen in wrestling, like maybe ever. I, I was thinking, I don't know if there's anything I liked better. I think there's things that I've liked as much. They've been amazing matches that I was all into, but I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that just really blew my mind like this did. So, and that is part because I'm probably a big Bray Wyatt fan, but even outside of that, if it wasn't Wyatt, I, I still think I wouldn't. We've never seen wrestling. Like one, we talked about the novelty of the Boneyard match. Like what a high bar the Boneyard match set. I remember everybody the day, uh, like Sunday morning, everybody on Twitter being like, it doesn't matter what they do. They can't top last night. My opinion completely blew the Boneyard match like out of the water. And that's saying something. But a lot of this is because, like you said, if you get it, if you're the smart mark, if you're that, that, that hardcore fan, that knows about the backgrounds dealings. If you listen to Moxley's, you know, exit interview podcast with Chris Jericho, to be honest with you, if you're an AEW fan or if you were a WCW fan, if, if all of these things that you've hated about Vince or WWE has ever bothered you and you ever were aware of that, this match was built like with you in mind. And a few things before I, I want to run down like what I thought the match did. But before I do that, the other thing that I loved about this match, this match did two things that I thought give it a lot of credibility and a lot of um, appeal. This match appealed to wrestling fans of all ages. New wrestling fans, old wrestling fans, WCW wrestling fans, 80s wrestling fans, 90s wrestling fans, ruthless aggression fans. Like there's something for everyone. And I don't know if I've ever seen a segment like that, like ever. The other thing that I loved about this match is it encompassed everything, the entire universe that both of these characters brought to the match. And I don't know if I've ever seen a match do that, at least as this well, or if at all. Everything about Bray Wyatt is in this match. All of it. The entire thing. It wraps up so many different real life stories of his kayfabe stories of his and the same for John Cena. You put them all together in one match. Um, I tweeted, it broke the third wall, the fourth wall, the fifth wall, the 8,000th wall. It was super meta on a level that I've never seen before. Never heard of. It was like inception meta. It was meta meta. <laughs> it was, it was incredible. So, uh, I want to walk down Bray Wyatt sets the stage he, he, he interrupts the intro from John Cena into the empty arena, I might add, which is kind of, there's honestly some irony there. I know everybody had an entrance to, to an empty arena, but there's something to be said about this match and how this match was told that John Cena like entered into an empty arena. I thought it was interesting because um, they could have not shown that at all. They could have just and did the Firefly Funhouse part. I will add also that it was interesting that it showed John Cena not being used to not hearing the fans exactly. Here. Yep. Zenas Zenas sucks and stuff like Which that. Which is why I think it was intentional. It was intentionally yeah. put it there. All right. Bray Wyatt sets the stage. He says that this is a Firefly Funhouse match. 
And this embodies your worst moments, your carnal fears, your selfish desires, everything. And he, he, he sets the stage because he goes, John, you're not just going to face me, but you're going to face yourself. Which sets the bar for what a Firefly Funhouse match is. I don't know if we'll ever get another one of these. I hope we do. But if we do, I think it does need to be, it does need to be held to some sort of standard like this. So John enters the Firefly Funhouse. You have this Conjuring-esque dark room where we have the Vince puppet come back. And if you love the Bray Wyatt stuff, you've seen the Vince puppet before where he's going to fire everybody. You're fired. And it's basically just this mockumentary on what the smart Mark fans think Vince McMahon is, right? Like how we think of Vince McMahon off screen. And he comes in and he goes, do you have enough ruthless aggression to be the man? You better do it or you're fired. And you see kind of John Cena as superhero John Cena, like kind of smirk, you know, like, whatever, man, like I'm John Cena. So Bray Wyatt's in the ring and he starts doing this introduction. It's a very similar promo that we've seen before this open challenge and the screen starts to flicker and you start to see these moments, these callbacks to Kurt Angle and he's saying Kurt Angle's thing. So one, you've already introduced a brand new legend into this idea. We have no idea why. You know, it's just I'm open challenge. And we realize why, because if you watch the Ruthless Aggression era or if you've watched WWE for a long time, um, we were just talking about this when I was talking about the Ruthless Aggression thing. My wife watched it with me. I think that's maybe why she enjoyed this so much, because we see John Cena enter the picture. Ruthless Aggression, John Cena, where he used to same ring gear and everything just like he used to. And he said in the Ruthless Aggression, it was the worst decision he's ever done. Because he used to try and match his colors to his outfit to the sports team of the town. And he thought he just, he thought, you know, it's just like super generic, super loser. And he hated it. And he comes out and they make fun of the John Cena's worst moment. The moment he wishes he never did. Where he looks at a current angle and he goes, ruthless aggression. And he's got his veiny neck and he's all angry. And he takes a swing at Bray Wyatt. But instead of like Kurt Angle, and he slapped this mess out of Kurt Angle and had a, a great match, uh, he misses. He misses Bray. And Bray just starts taunting him with all of this inside baseball stuff. Like, this isn't who you want to be. This isn't what you were supposed to do. And John Cena can't get out of his own way. So he keeps saying ruthless aggression and he yeah. keeps swinging and he keeps missing. And at one point, Bray does a little dance and sings Nikki Bella's theme song. Bray Wyatt. He just, you can look, but you can't touch. My whole family erupted in laughter. We were laughing. My daughter like was rolling on the floor. She thought it was yeah. so funny. So this keeps happening. And I forget how they transition. But Bray Wyatt like just runs off. And probably like the super B-horror corniness part is John Cena just runs after him, but the camera doesn't move. Both yes. people just run out of the ring. <laughs> I think this is where it transfers to the to the 80s. Saturday Night Live, Saturday Live. main event, man. Yes. Oh, you get the synth. You get the techno beats like an 80s sitcom coming back to life. And you get the intro main event, Saturday Night main event with Hulk Hogan. And again, you remember what I was saying earlier? 
about how this encompasses all of Bray Wyatt's characters. Not only do we have the Firefly Funhouse, we have the puppets, but we also have, you've seen where he did like the muscle man dance where he, he makes fun of like these big bodybuilder brute athletes that always get a push. That's like a thing that he has. Of course, John Cena fits that bill. So here's what I wrote down. So you get this cool intro and he comes in and he's completely making fun of Hulk Hogan, which we just saw him do in the promo last month with the NWO before the Hall of Fame, right? He was listening to your brother. That's why we have the whole Firefly Funhouse NWO thing. And he's like, um, you got to be a workout machine. I want to introduce my tag team partner, Body Large Meat. <laughs> and John Cena enters the picture and he's just doing bicep curls as fast as he can. And Bray Wyatt is like, see, as long as you keep lifting weights and have huge muscles, it won't matter how big you are or how little talent you have. And this is like a huge commentary, at least the way that I was per- perceiving this. this is a huge wrestling. Com- well, not just 80s wrestling. It's a huge commentary, I think, on how Bray Wyatt sees wrestling. So yeah. because he doesn't have that body type, because he isn't a bodybuilder, it doesn't matter how talented he is. He'll never get put over. He'll never get that push that seemingly John Cena has. As long as John Cena keeps doing all the things that like traditional WWE or Vince has always wanted people to do. Right? Yeah. And he goes, what are you going to do when you realize that egomania is running wild on you, which is both a shot at Cena and Hogan. Like it's a shot at both of them. And it basically, what he, oh, go ahead. They're, par- they're parallels. Of each parallel. Other. Exactly. What he's doing is he's showing John Cena, yeah. the parallel between John Cena and Hulk Hogan career wise, not just character wise, career-wise he's showing him you're the same thing so john cena and like the whole thing about this is uh actually before i get into the to the whole thing i want to get i want to keep this rundown going so then we transition from this to thugonomics possibly like definitely like one of the more offensive things that john cena has ever done but also one of the more over things john cena has ever done people love these little raps that he does because the raps that john cena did especially during that era, it was all uh, like he broke kayfabe constantly and he would make jokes at other people's gimmicks in their characters or their real life. And he yes. would break the fourth wall and bring some of that in. And the thing that I love about it is Bray showcases to him um, over and over again. He's like, see, these jokes that you did, they weren't getting you over. It's just you being a bully. Like you were allowed to do this, but nobody else was. Like you're allowed to rip down my character, but I can't rip down your character. And that is breaking the fourth wall because this whole thing that Bray Wyatt's doing with this match is ripping down John Cena's character. Like the entire thing in its entirety is doing the same thing. He's like, except, you know, I'm doing it this way and you did it with dick jokes and they make a few of them, which I, oh my God, like the crickets chirping and the children laughing at the nuts joke and him throwing the pack of nuts. Like he's showing to John Cena, like, this is just corny. Like you were just being corny and you were being mean. You were hurting other people. You're making fun of other people because of their fat or their weight or their work ethic. I like that the whole story between this whole thing was John Zeta could not get out of the way of himself. Like all through this whole thing, John Zeta could have changed the course of history. Yeah. And he probably could have been out of the Firefly Funhouse, but he chose not to time and time again. Exactly. 
then the the whole the whole skit from this point, which has been very laugh comical John Cena focus, it now turns. So we're at Thungonomics, they're still doing the jokes, and he showcases to John and goes, Hey, like you have a chance to save yourself. Like you call yourself a hero. You're a man of the people. And then he goes into a little bit of a promo. He goes, except, but when the people were telling you what to do and they flash back to, to Bray's match with Cena at WrestleMania, where all of the fans were chanting for Bray, they were all singing for Bray. Like Bray was super hot. He was like, you didn't listen to them and you weren't the hero. You were the villain. And this has so much extra meaning as we move forward to the next thing. But he even says, so I'm going to give you one more chance to redeem yes. yourself. And he doesn't. He does his little stupid rap and he throws his, his, his sack of peanuts or whatever at Bray. And we transition. We transition to heal Cena. Everybody has said this for a long time. The smart marks have said this for a long time. That John Cena would turn heel, that they would want to turn heel like Hogan. Again, the parallels in their careers. You have this white meat baby face forever. Take your vitamins, big muscles, go America. And he turns him. And what was the greatest heel turn of all time? Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. So you see Bray Wyatt in the ring, dressed up in NWO garb, and it's flashing to Eric Bischoff. Bischoff. Back and forth, let me introduce you, the coolest brother in the world. That And here comes John Cena, decked in NWO gear, to Hogan's music, doing the belt and everything. Did you see what Kevin Nash said? No, I have not seen anything he, from Kevin. He tweeted about it. He said he loved this. He, oh. said he, would have, he said seeing John Cena and Bray Wyatt in that made him want to go back and become a wrestler. Oh. So John Cena enters the ring, NWO, he's he's heel. He's turned John Cena heel. Or, as I perceive it, in rethinking about this, I've watched this like four times over. He's showing to John Cena that you're not the hero that you think you are. You've always been the heel. That's the theme yes. of this whole match. The true that, identity. Yeah, the real John Cena is not the hero. It's not the baby face. You're the heel holding everybody else back. You're the way, your person stepping in everybody else's way. So he gets into the ring and like a heel, he just attacks. So we have John Cena just beating up Bray Wyatt left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right. And then it turns into Husky Harris, the pig, which again goes back to John Cena kind of making fun of Bray's weight and his build and his shape. And Bray Wyatt is then behind him, right? As the fiend. Or is it not the fiend yet? I'm trying to remember I don't the think it was the, was the last part. Yeah, it wasn't the fiend yet. I think I think because he, he has one more he, thing. Now that he probably turns the Bray, that turns to the Bray Wyatt we love. Yep. So he comes one last time and he goes, "But you had a chance to do the right thing before." And we switch back to that that moment where when Bray and Cena had that first match, the entire story of that was Bray was trying to turn John. He was trying to show the real John Cena to the fans. He was going to make him turn heel. And there was this spot in that match where John had a chance to hit Bray Wyatt with a chair. He was going to hit Bray Wyatt with a chair, like right in the face and become the heel, do the heel move. And he did not He chose to be the superhero and he just buried Bray, beat him. That was the end of the match. So John has the chair, Bray's there, do it. John swings, Bray disappears. 
That's John. He's now full heel. He's done the full heel thing. Then we fast forward to the last segment of the match where we've got the fiend behind John. As John starts to lift up, he realizes who he is. You have this reflective moment where he sees that he's beating up Husky Harris, right? He's like, what am I doing? Who am I? You can see it in his face. Like his expression's perfect. He's like, I am exactly what Bray's been saying this whole time. He gets up. He slowly turns around. Mandible claw. Just boom. Goes down. Mandible claw. All the way down. One, two, three. We're out. I got those out of order. The chair thing came before the NWO thing. But the chair thing was great because he goes to hit the, he goes to hit the chair. Um, or uh, Bray Wyatt comes out, has him Sister Abigail. And he lifts him up and he goes, that would be too easy for you. And then we walk through NWO thing. the NWO after thing. He threw, after he threw the chair, that was a full healing. Full heal. So, and then he disappears. And that's it. Let me in. And again, this thing blew my mind on so many levels because it was so incredibly meta. It had everything. It showed that the the rise of John Cena, it was both a tribute of John Cena and a mockumentary to wrestling. And yes. it was so, like I said, fourth wall just shattered because he brought in so many elements of, God, the Vince puppet during the NWO thing. It's like, this is such good shit. Which, if you like, it, if you listen to the Moxley interview with Chris Jericho, Moxley was complaining that he kept getting all these cre- bad creative things that Vince thought was good, and they kept forcing it on him. And that's kind of like this whole the statement that Bray is trying. The statement that I think Bray is trying to make out of all of this is that he's trying to showcase that he may not be the bodybuilder type and he may not be the babyface type, but he's creative. He has all these great ideas. If they just get out of his way, if they give him the opportunity to let him do it. And, um, ultimately I just wanted to say that I think Bruce Pritchard and Bray Wyatt were lead creative on this. And they said that John Cena had come in and made some edits and got in here. Um, Delvin, this blew my freaking mind and it still has blown. My, my mind is still blown. That I can't believe, I can't believe that they let him do this let alone that it was this good. And I will say this. I think because it was, I think it being John Cena played a big part. Of it. I was just going there. This doesn't work without John Cena. He was the perfect foil to do this type of story. And the fact that, and I actually said it in the middle of it last night while we were watching it, I looked at my kids. I was like, I'm shocked. John is allowing this to happen. I'm shocked that John's doing it. Like this is John Cena basically making a like a fool of himself to get Bray over. Like this is full and, circle. And this goes into why I love John Cena so much. He gets a lot of flack because people say, "Oh yeah, John Cena buries people and stuff like that." But I don't think that's his character. I think he really genuinely likes to help people. Like, if you look at his history, he has put people over. He's done the favors plenty of times. Yeah. Yes, I and think it's, people, a lot of that's not. It's not his control. Yes. Just like it's not in praise control. And what I think, what what I think, I think the biggest takeaway here is that we see one of the all time greats in John Cena, recognizing the talent of Bray Wyatt and working with Bray to make that come to fruition. Yeah, I agree. And this just, like you said, this doesn't happen if it's Taker or Kane or anybody else, Daniel Bryan or Roman, this doesn't work. 
It has to be John Cena. Oh, it and was, that's what makes it special. It was incredible to see because John Cena has that ability to make fun of himself and be endearing at the same time. Yes. And that's what that's what made this get over. And I'm going to say something that people are going to be shocked. I'm saying John Cena is the anti-Goldberg. Whereas Goldberg takes himself too seriously and doesn't have the talent to take himself too seriously. He does. John Cena is not above making fun of himself. Oh, God, not no. Above, like, not above like putting somebody over for the greater good of the sport of, of wrestling. Now, we've heard Goldberg say like he wouldn't do matches or do the honors for folks because he didn't think it was realistic that you know X person could actually beat Goldberg. So yes. he looks at himself like realistically like wins and losses. Like I can't lose to Cedric Alexander. He couldn't actually beat me, which is a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> like it's it's, it's wrestling. No, no, you're 100% right. And for all the production that like AJ Taker had, the production on this was like I said this was like Twin Peaks. Like this yeah. like yeah, like if if Taker AJ was Sons of Anarchy, this was Twin Peaks. And both are incredibly entertaining to different types of people for different reasons, but they're very, very different. And this one blew me away with the amount of nostalgia. Like I said, the way that they incorporated so many different eras, the way that they told they told a story, a full-blown story that lasted, Delvin, a, a decade or more has gone into this one story of this match. They told yes. it in 20 minutes while they hopped from the 80s to current day to 2000 to 96, and it all made sense. This is blowing my mind that like it all, by the end of that match, when Bray does his little monologue, he's like, you think I'm overrated. And you know, like he has him in Sister Abigail as the fiend. And you hear John Cena's promo, the same promo that you and I were, were loving two weeks ago when he put Bray over. You know, he was basically kind of being healed. He's like, you're the, the most overhyped, overrated, overappreciated superstar of all time. Bray kind of has John and you're hearing that about John. And it, like the way that I read it is like, that's John talking about John. Like Cena's the most overrated, overhyped for all of the reasons that that Bray just showed to all of us. I agree. Did you did you see John Cena's Instagram? No, I didn't. Go look at John Cena's Instagram. I don't have Instagram, so I don't really see people's Instagrams. What did he What did he say? It It is amazing. Bray Wyatt has taken over his Instagram. <laughs> so all it is is pictures of Bray Wyatt in the feed. And stuff like that. Oh. It is amazing. I mean, you know, we talked about losing the title and being squashed out to Goldberg and everything. But if you had told me that this is what was going to lead up to it, I would have been fine with all of it. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to Bray Wyatt's character ever. And he definitely has a WrestleMania moment that will be remembered forever. Like, I don't think we'll ever like to me, Delvin, this is like a production, an entire match that's like CM Punk's pipe bomb. Except yeah. the entire company was behind it, and it wasn't just one dude riffing on a on a mic on the floor. Like it had production value and everything, and incorporated so many things um, from all different things. Like I said I think this had something for everybody. If you were a casual wrestling fan that just knew who John Cena was, you were laughing your ass off because it was making fun of John Cena, right? If you were a Bray Wyatt fan, you were totally invested because it was Bray Wyatt like redeeming or getting revenge for what many people think was like the biggest mistake of his career. It's not that Bray Wyatt lost or lost a lot. Like Bray Wyatt can lose. He's actually, his character is kind of above and beyond 
wins and losses. But that moment in time when Bray lost to John Cena, Bray might might have been like the best thing going in the company at that time. That was actually the moment that I started to get back into wrestling. It was that Dan O'Brien, Bray Wyatt, the Shield thing that got me back. You got to remember at that time, dude. It was like Batista and Ryback and a lot of like retreads and kind of things like Bray Wyatt was different. Yeah. That's another thing I didn't even write down in my notes. We saw Bray Wyatt fire like Duck Dynasty Bray Wyatt with the hat and everything. Louisiana yeah. Bayou Bray Wyatt. My wife was Colton. so excited. She was like, whoa, it's Bray. It's like Bray Bray's back. I was like, this is amazing. So I was saying it incorporated everything that Bray Wyatt has ever done into one thing it brought it all together and like kind of built this little universe for himself yeah oh man it was cool it was really if you can't tell like i'm so over the moon this was such above and beyond like the final deletion uh the boneyard match like this was it's to say it's next level like it had so many levels it's hard to like it's honestly you almost have to like watch it and do fact checking you almost have to research it because it's so layered with with innuendo and metaphor <laughs> like it's it like you said it's a piece of art like it really is artistic like how he did this and to hear that he was able to really be his own lead creative makes me really happy because i've heard that one of the reasons why i'm a big bray wyatt fan is i hear that a lot from podcast interviews people have been saying this for a long time you know like especially wrestlers that leave they do these podcasts and they're like dude bray wyatt he's just got ideas like coming out of the woodworks you hear that, you heard that with like, you heard that about Dusty. You heard that about Matt Hardy. You hear that about guys like they're constantly pitching things. They've got all these ideas if they would just, you know, get a chance to do any of it. And uh, I was really happy to see it because this lit up the internet and the internet has not stopped talking about this since then. And it was just really, really cool. I agree. And all the other stuff we're going to talk about doesn't really matter at this point, but. I wanted to get into this big question we got to ask about Grouchy Surge because it ties into this very well. He says it like this. I care about one character and hopefully story going forward, and that is Wyatt. Fantasy book Bray until next Mania, and he'll DM Bookie says he has more characters. Okay. We're going to add Grouchy Surge's video message at the end of what his bookie was, but we're going to give mine. You want me to go first? Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot, so it's would be hard for me to do it. Um, so he's on SmackDown, at least as much as we know. Um, <clears throat> I like him. If I was fantasy booking, my, you can't do this all the time. I think we both agree that this probably doesn't work without Cena. And I think maybe it can work with some other characters, but I'm not sure how well. And I don't know if it'll ever be as good as what, what we just oh, saw. I have a brilliant idea with this. Okay, good. I can't wait to hear it. So <clears throat> if I was to fantasy book Bray... Um, for a moment, I would maybe, I want to say, well, I really want to say maybe he should like take a couple months off, like go away for a little. Um, but I don't know if they can do that because like ratings mean so much to him. He's probably the biggest draw they've got, especially on SmackDown. Um, so I would have the fiend like kind of do what he has been doing weeklies. Like he shows up, maybe does a promo and attacks some people, maybe antagonizes some people in terms of setting up like long-term booking. If the idea is to get back to WrestleMania next year and do something like this, the only people that I think it might work for, and I'm, I'm not saying I think it'll work well, I think it could work with Brock. 
I think it could work with Randy. And I think it could work with Taker. The Taker thing being weird and interesting because I don't want it to feel like a cop out or like a sellout. But I do think you can. I think a story can be set up where Taker has his final match and kind of passes the torch to Bray. So I think in that type of idea, something like that can happen. Um, with Brock, I could see a lot of things like Cena, a lot of parallels between Brock being like the top guy and, and breaking the fourth wall and doing things like that. I think that can work. And with Randy, there's a lot of built-in stuff. I want to say Braun, but he's got the belt and everything, you know, so I don't know. But I'm, I'm eager to hear your idea. I haven't given this a whole lot of thought. Okay. Here's my idea. This is what I'll do. First, I'll have Bray Wyatt's feed character for all intents and purposes is the ghostwriter. He's seeking vengeance for everybody who's done him wrong. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Because that's what he's just did with That's his motivation. Has nothing to do with belts or titles or anything. He's out to, he's correcting history. So, first and foremost, I would have him go after Rowan. Rowan's good. No, not Rowan. 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 Oh, so. In a small few. That's right. what I'll first do. Before I get in, the reason I thought, I actually thought Roman, but the reason I didn't say it is because the shield is no more. I'm going to get to him. Okay, good. This is what I, I say Ro, Eric Rowan. The reason why I say Eric Rowan was, I would say because your brother left and you have not been there for me like you said you were going to be there for me. So I would have him. What a few with Eric Rowan. This is the thing about Bray Wyatt and this feed character. It wouldn't matter what brand he's on. No, it doesn't. He's, I would say he would just, he doesn't have to go on Raw every week and then like no, SmackDown every week. He just has to be on his brand show talking about this person that he wants to get. Yeah. And that's he's, all he's that above matters. brand. He can do whatever he wants. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> all about it. So after that, he'll beat Rowan and stuff like that. He'll destroy Rowan. Rowan assistant becomes like kind of his minion. And it's just kind of. Back into the fold again. I don't like that. I'm just going to tell you up front. But this is the thing. He dispatches Rowan. Okay. The next person he goes after, I think this is a SummerSlam matchup, Randy Orton. Randy. And then he goes, and I think he kind of has this similar type of match with Randy Orton in terms of like, look, you have been privileged your whole career. This House of Horror things almost ruined my character. Yep. I brought you in. We were brothers. You turned on me. Yeah, and I think that you could go through all the history between Bray and Randy Orton and even go about down the whole f- fact that they both have lineage in wrestling. Yep. In terms of Cowboy Bob Orton. Yep. Rotunda family. I think you can go down that route and you can have it where you can say, you can kind of have it where Bray Wyatt puts Randy Orton on front street in terms of like you've had this privilege. The whole time, a lot of stuff. Not just got. that, he can put him out on there. Like he can put him on blast about all the things Randy's done. Yeah, and the second chances he's gotten. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a fascinating story to tell. And I feel like the reason why I say have Rowan with him because you need to have somebody who can eat those pins. The feed should not be losing in any circumstances. So you. <laughs> You make me really want to say the right thing then. So my my biggest thing is, do you have him go after Goldberg? I want to say yeah, but I want to say 
Goldberg's too small of a fish. Well, Goldberg's would, not going to do it. I don't think Goldberg's going to do the honors. But I mean, I would, if if would, you are if your if your motivation is true, I'm going to go and correct all these things that have been done to me. Then his number one target should be Goldberg. Like he should absolutely call out Goldberg and being like, "I'm coming for you." Like this I is think, going to happen. I, I would say I would say it's a long list of people. I think Seth Rollins is one. Roman Reigns is one. Randy Orton is one. What else can we add to this list? What, Seth, why, what did Seth do? The Shield. Oh, okay, just putting him in the Shield. The See, the my shield thing is, I didn't know if I don't. I don't know how much WWE wants to recognize the Shield while Dean Ambrose is like well, they, a huge star. Well, they, in wouldn't AEW. Be, they wouldn't be recognizing the Shield. They'd be recognizing what Seth Rollins stands for. Okay, the fact that Seth Rollins has been the golden child. Yeah, and Seth Rollins has gotten chance after chance, just like Roman. And Roman is kind of that John Cena type character. He's yeah. that prototypical John Cena type character. And, all the times where other characters suffered to put over Roman Reigns. Sure. So I can see him wanting to go after Roman Reigns, and I can see him wanting to go after Seth Rollins. Okay. I think the big and this this is the, while all this is going on, while Bray Wyatt is wreaking havoc, because this is how I want I want him to wreak havoc on everybody, dominating, destroying. In the background, you're not hearing a damn thing from John Cena. John Zeta is not showing up on wrestling because, and, and the thing about it is, because of social distancing, you're not really seeing that much of John Zeta anyway. On the top of that list, I would say, but a little bit before Royal Rumble, Bray goes after Braun Strowman. You left the flock. You never said nothing to me. You never cared about the us. He destroys Braun Strowman in the match. All of a sudden. World Rumble, entrant number 30, John Zeta returns. Okay. He wants the belt from Bray. But he said, I don't care about the belt. I want my redemption. I want to prove you wrong. And so the whole thing is, Bray is kind of telling John, what have you learned from this whole experience? And the whole story from WrestleMania is, did John learn from his experience in the fun house, in the firehouse funhouse, or not? Yeah, and that's what Brave Wise is trying. That will be the story. So either you go two ways: you can tell a redemption story of John Cena learning from this experience and show up great respect. And the fact of the matter: this match is not about the belt changing it's character. About, exactly, it's about the salvation of John Cena. Yeah, and that will be the point of Mania. Say either John Cena learned from this, or he didn't learn from this. And I feel like. When John Cena comes back, it should fundamentally change who John Cena is. And see, and that's so I, I love the idea, but I don't know how much I believe in the idea because I think John Cena, the character, has so much more value to WWE than changing the character. But well, he doesn't have to be changed completely, but he has to be somebody who has more clarity, shows remorse, more things yes. that he says. Maybe he like starts making amends for things that he's done in the past. Yes. Maybe he does like a tag team or puts somebody over that, that's like way beneath him, like Heath Slater yes. or something like that. I love the idea. Yeah. The yeah. other thing about that's it. Perfect idea. I will say this. He goes to Zack Ryder and apologizes. Yeah, I like that. But the problem is uh, the problem in reality is that I think John Cena at this point, at least at this point, until I see otherwise, he's a one match guy. He does one match and it's at WrestleMania. That's why I think you have to hold this off till Mania. Yeah. That will be his one match. But I think it's going to be hard to even get them to like do promos and stuff like that. But I, I like the idea. It's good. 
I'll, if there's one you... character, well, there's two characters. There's two characters that can theoretically beat Braun Strowman in physical three. Uh, there's three. There's three people that I think believably can just beat Braun Strowman straight up. The Fiend, Brock, and Roman. Those are the guys that you can put over on Braun. Um, I think a lot of people, if they just go right from this to Braun Roman, I think a lot of people are going to feel like Roman's being forced on him again. And I, I'm afraid that they'll turn on him. Although the last time I saw, I think the best, I, I, we've said this, I think on every show that we've done so far, the best work I've ever seen Roman do was with Braun. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I think the, if you were asking me to predict what the fans will think, I think the fans will start booing Roman if they immediately insert him right back into the mix. I will go as far to say they should insert, uh, yes, they should insert Roman back into the mix, but he has to lose to Braun Strowman. He if he cannot, doesn't, they're going to uh, boo the, the hell out of him. Yes. <laughs> like, I would say let Roman go back in and lose immediately. Get that out of the way so you can build up the whole Braun Strowman feed thing. I think that's a match that would be interesting that people want to see. And they work together on house shows. Uh, I've seen them. I've seen Braun and Bray live. Um, so they, they do a lot of work together. And, and actually, um, Bray, at least in person, when I watched him, I actually, I was thinking like Bray doesn't look all that small compared to Braun either. Like he looks like he belongs. Whereas a lot of folks, you know, like with Braun, you're like, how the hell is this going to work? But with Bray, like he kind of stands up to him. I think it could work in that fa- in that kind of phase where Braun can, Braun can look at it like I've done so much better without you. And yeah. Bray would look like you left the flock and you wouldn't be nothing without you us. You wouldn't be anything without me. Yes. Hmm. I think that'll be a good feud leading up to Royal Rumble. I think the whole You could also do like a you're a you're a follower. Like going back to the sheep thing. Like you're doing yes. exactly what they want you to do. Like you're blinded by their pursuit of gold. You know, like you're just you're you're ignorant. You're naive to everything that's going on around you. I think there's so many ways they could go with this. Like even with the Randy Orton thing. I would have Randy Orton try to go back to the Firefly Funhouse. Oh, that, that, that goes back to what I was going to say about Seth Rollins. The fact that he burned down the original Firefly That's Funhouse. good. No, I, I think Orton Orton was like the honestly like one of the first ones that came to mind because one of the things that we'll talk to you with the Edge and Orton match is I think Edge and Orton could have been great if it was kind of produced and built like one of these other matches. Um, and Orton is one of the characters when I think of in a, in a match like this. And like if you're going to have like, you know uh, – Sister Abigail's or anything like that. If you're going to start doing some of that stuff again, I think Randy's one of the better folks that can pull it off. Um, yeah. Like Cena, I think Randy's one of those people that are not opposed to, you know, having some fun with it. Um, whereas other people like Goldberg, I think, I don't know if Goldberg's ever going to do anything like that, but Goldberg would become the number one, like, targeted enemy for me. Like, I, and it didn't even have to be a match. Like I said last time, I would love to see Goldberg, you know, Saudi Arabia 2021 or something, you know, come out, do a rah rah, who's next? Lights go off, lights come on, Sister Abigail. You know, like, I wouldn't mind seeing anything like that either. Just to put, like, the photo up on the wall that Bray is starting to build, like, behind him. Yes. You know? Like, he didn't even have to win the title or didn't even have to be a match. Um, he just needs to make a statement. Um, something like that could happen. I think that would be cool for a Raw. Yeah. Goldberg comes out and he's talking stuff and they're like, oh, who's next and all that stuff. And yep. glad to be in it. Bray just comes out and... Sister Abigail. But I like your idea in terms of writing the wrongs and kind of like not not only his own wrongs, but writing the wrongs of others. If they use the the character to do that, to be honest with you, I would start him, I would launch him with a Roman. I think Romans he 
the fiend by doing what the fiend just did with John Cena, the fiend could theoretically get Roman over. Like he could actually make Roman the babyface that WWE wants him to be if they let it happen. That's the problem. That it can't be a one night thing. You got to let it happen. But I could absolutely see um, Bray doing promos showing Roman why the fans boo him. Like look at like this is why we are reject. This is why the people reject you. You know, look at the the five F5s that you kick out of. Look at all these opportunities. Look at this constant push when you have all these other people that don't have it. This is why you're not getting over. And then he just torments Roman, you know, for five or six months across a couple pay-per-views. And eventually Roman beats the Fiend. That could then get Roman over. Because like in in a feud like that, Roman's coming from underneath. He's the underdog. The only time Roman has ever been that is with Braun and with Brock. Those are the only times that he's ever been like that. With Bray, he can be that. They can do that. Like, that works. I agree. That's good. That's good. I like it. All right, let's try to run down these rest of these matches that <laughs> we're going to pay on the comparison. <laughs> yeah, it's well, true. Let's talk about the um, Orton Edge match. I know you weren't too thrilled about it. No, I, I didn't I didn't like it as much. I saw everybody on, on Twitter, because um, you know, I was following along on Twitter um, with the hashtags and everything, and a lot of people were really, really excited. I wondered how much of that had to do with the fact that it was just Edge, which I get. Edge is amazing. Hall of Famer is great. Um, and, I, and I thought he was very impressive. Like, after all he's been through to put on that match that he did like it was very impressive that he did it at the same time i don't think this was using either one of the characters in the best way that they could um i thought it was lumbering it was plotting i thought it was slow it was real slow and sometimes a slow match is great when the slow match has like meaning and uh, this one i don't think had too much meaning for a lot of it it was really long it's like 40 minute match and it was just like way too long it was for large portions of the match, we weren't like building to anything. Like there was no rise or tension. It was just kind of them. Th- like it was just way too much. I'm going to throw a punch at you. You're going to throw a punch at me. Let's watch each other crawl around on the floor for long periods of time. And like the other like source of action was they kept Irish whipping each other into the like the door or the wall. It was just a lot of that. There weren't, a, I don't feel like there were enough spots for how long the match was. Like I get in the last man standing. The idea is that you want it to be brutal. And you want to have the offense, but like, it's still a wrestling match. You need to have a suplex every now and again. You need to have like a bulldog or a DDT, you know, or an elbow drop. Like there weren't enough moments to kind of break up the, you know, it was just repetitive. <laughs> like It was just, it was a long time of the same thing. I will give Ed a little benefit of the doubt because it's technically his first match back. I feel like, so in comparison, I think the point that I'm ultimately trying to make is I feel like if they kept in the ring, I think it would have been a better match. They could have done 40 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever. Like, I feel like because of the way they did this match, you're missing out on all the impact of the spears of, like, I really actually love the way they started it, right? They started it with RKO from behind, super heel tactic. And then the moment Edge gets to his feet and says, well, another one, like RKO right on top of it again. I was like, oh man, this is great. Um, they're setting up a story and I just felt like they got away from it because the next 20 minutes, you just watch edge crawl around on the floor at random places in the building. I think they kind of booked themselves in the corner in terms of like, they had this hot few. So you can't really have it in the ring. I don't know if last man standing was the right move for it. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I think ultimately that's probably my issue with it might be that more than 
the people themselves. Maybe it could have been Falls Count Anywhere. Two out of three. To get, yeah. To give it a little bit more, pick up a pace, but sitting there watching somebody, one, two, three, kind of drags it out. They did a long time, and it was just a lot of it. Like, we didn't see any suplex. We did get the DDT spot on the pickup truck, but that was like 30 minutes in. And some of the spots they did in the gym where you've got, like, Edge jungle boying off the thing as he does, like, this crotch sit. On, like, that was just dumb. Like, it was like, this is not, this doesn't even make sense now. Like, it's not just that, because it's like, if you're beating, if you're hitting each other with metal plates in the workout room, like, why would you jump off like that? Like, you're not doing any damage. Like, this is not, you know, why are you hanging upside down doing a four-foot elbow fall onto a table? You're like, I don't know. I That just didn't, that didn't land with me, man. Yeah, I get it. I definitely get it. All right, so let's I did talk think about of hang on a second. I did think of Benoit when Randy like started wrapping like the weight machine cords around Edge. Like, was I the only person that was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, <laughs> like somebody should have told them not to do that spot. <laughs> I I, I immediately thought of Benoit. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I didn't think about that until you said that. Holy crap! Yeah, that was probably regrettable. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was, I don't even want to say it was okay. I didn't like it. I, I want to be clear. I didn't like the match. I thought it was way too long. It kind of, you talk about you, you needed the matches to bring everything down. This brought my entire house down. Like my, my son was basically like, he like, he picked up a switch, started playing at mid match. Like they just tuned out because it wasn't keeping their attention. Yeah, I get that. All right. Let's talk about Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. What did you think of that match? Uh, surprising. Surprising, really surprising, because I was 100% sure that Rhea was winning. Now, ultimately, we didn't talk about this. A lot of baby faces going over. Tons. And uh, I think that was intentional because of all that the world's going on. You want to kind of have happier moments. Um, so lots of baby face finishes. I was sure that Rhea was going to win because of all the momentum that she's built. Like, she's she's kind of got it. A lot of people think she could be the next Charlotte or the next Becky. And ultimately... I was like, there's no way they're going to keep Charlotte NXT. They're going to bring her back up and then set her back in something. But no, talk about a swerve. Um, I think the idea behind this is they're going to keep Rhea and Charlotte going. So you give Charlotte, you give Rhea something to chase and you have Charlotte kind of put her over. I think the match was good. Um, all of the yelling though got to be a little bit of a distraction. Um, they were constantly like yelling at each other. Like there was almost like they tried to fill dead air at any moment that they could. Yes. Um, so that was a little bit distracting, but overall, I thought it was a good match, a good story, surprised by the finish, but excited to see more of it. And I think that's what this is setting up because I think we're going to get Rhea Charlotte for at least, you know, like a takeover, maybe money in the bank. We might get two or three or four of these before Charlotte comes back up. Yeah, I can see that. I agree with you. Not much to say about this one. Like I said, the whole Bray Wyatt thing is kind of took it over. Oh time. no. Yeah. Nothing on this card is going to even compare to, to how great the finish was. All right. What about the, I guess, the five-pack challenge? What did you think about that? Yeah, I actually love this match. I thought this match was great. I think it told a really cool story. It had a cliffhanger. You had to leave you asking for more. A lot of people are expecting a turn. We didn't get a turn, but we think we might be getting a turn. And that's when you know wrestling is doing what it's supposed to be doing from a storytelling route. Like, they set up a turn. Um, I actually picked Lacey Evans. So me and my son, we always bet on who's going to win the most matches. I won. I had a two point lead on him by the, uh, the end of the second night. I picked Lacey to win because what I thought was going to happen is I thought, um, Bailey was going to, I thought Sasha was in turn on Bailey and then that would cost Bailey the title. 
right? Um, but not to Sasha, because I thought maybe they would have Bailey and Sasha feud and then give somebody else the title to set up a second feud, a separate you know thing. But they didn't. They're going to keep kind of building the heat for Sasha and Bailey for an inevitable turn. Like, we're going to get a turn from these two. They're going to turn on each other, which is going to be great because they put on amazing matches. If you've ever followed Sasha and Bailey, they're two of the best. They're going to put on a great match. I think they actually, I think Lacey Evans like had her best showing to date. Um, I remember when she first came up, she was super green and I was not feeling it. She's won me over. Like she's put in a lot of work and uh, I still think it's weird that her finish is a punch, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you think like she'd win all the time with that. But um uh, you know, every time I see her land a punch, I'm like, why is that not the women's right? She hit her with the hand. Like, <laughs> like that's the same thing. Um, but she had a really good showing. I thought it was a good match. I think I thought that um, Sasha was going to end up winning and Bailey was going to turn on Sasha. Mm, that's good. That's good. I think I, I think heel Bailey is more suitable. Do you? I think people like yeah, I think people like Sasha. People, Sasha Banks can be the biggest heel in wrestling. People still love Sasha Banks. No, I agree with you there. No, that's true. I, I I love Sasha, and I don't care if Sasha's a heel or a face. I love Sasha. I do think I like. I think I like Sa- heel Sasha more, especially when she does like the Guerrero stuff that she kind of got into for a little bit with Charlotte. Like that stuff is gold. I, I love that. Um, but I like I like babyface Bailey way more than heel Bailey. I don't dig heel Bailey at all. I think. People's complaints with Hero Bell is the fact that she hasn't really had anybody to work with to bring it out to make her kind of. She hasn't got the heat. Yeah, and I think that's the. I think Sasha Banks could do that, and I feel like Hero well, Bailey has to turn on Sasha. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, can't have it the other yeah. way. Yeah, Bailey has to turn on Sasha, and it has to be in a way that makes me like hate Bailey. Yeah, and I feel like you now that Bailey's this heel kind of character. It would be really hard for her to go back to that squeaky kick clean. And I love that. I love I love Cena Bailey. Like just a little hugger thing. Like we were such Bailey marks. I thought it was great. I did too. I feel I feel like they missed the boat with that big time. Yeah, because they didn't really book her that well either when she like first came up and all that. Like she was always kind of a, uh, you know, she was always she was never Charlotte. And that that character doesn't get over if it's not Charlotte. You got to book her like Charlotte and Becky. And the problem is that they had Charlotte and Becky and Sasha, and like they were all above her. Yeah, and I think that really hurt that character. I it feel did. like Hill Bailey could kind of get a little run going. Okay, I'm open to it. I, I just miss Bailey. Bailey, I do too. I really do. And then the last all one right. is McIntyre Brock. This was <laughs> night one's Goldberg Brock match. Sure. Just, By the time the Bray that. thing was over, I'm not even gonna lie to you. When the Bray thing ended, I was like, that's the end of the show. And they were like, but wait, we have a championship match. And when they did that, you know what I did? I rewound it and watched the Bray match again. I didn't even care who won. Like, I knew I knew it was going to be Drew. But, like, I didn't even. I was like, I'll watch that later. <laughs> I need to rewatch the Bray thing all over again. I watched that mess and I said, this is the exact same damn match as the Goldberg. Kind of. Bro- <laughs> yep, kind it's of. The same thing. I'm like F five, F five, Claymore, Claymore, go home. Yeah. It was a little bit more, you know. They had a little bit more of a standoff and a little bit more of a match, but yeah, it was kind of the, you know, it was Brock yeah. match. It was doing Brock. Brock did what Brock did. He did have like a great German man. He suplexed the shit out of Drew for a minute there. <laughs> Brock suplexes are the best. I'll never yeah, get over it. <laughs> When Brock starts suplexing people, I'm like, damn, 
<laughs> yeah. He throws huge people like Drew <laughs> just throws them all the way across the ring. Yeah, definitely. But we've got Drew. Right. We've got McIntyre for a champ. And think, that's something it's new. Cool. It's going to be really cool. Yep. Well, let's talk about this. Another question we got from Joe. What were your standout matches for Mania? Mine were SmackDown tag title match. What a great finish. Firefly Funhouse for sure. And the Boneyard match was really cool. And I love the Edge and Orton match. So what was your, we already kind of went over some of them. So give me some of your standout matches. Quest for Pixels, Joel. Joel. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I love both of the production segments. Um, I like the women's five-pack challenge. I like the ladder match. Um, you know, oh, you know, I love the Sami Zayn, Dana Bryan match. I did too. Even though that was not a haluva kick. No, it was, it wasn't a haluva kick. It was like a big boot. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I liked the, the chaos of it all. I think, uh, kind of like AEW did with their, uh, stadiumless shows, having a lot of people at ringside doing things kind of filled in for the lack of noise. And, um, Dan O'Brien, uh, was a great, like, foil for Sami Zayn to go, like, full heel Sami Zayn. The yes. fact that he was running his mouth while he kept stepping in and out of the ring, while he kept running away and getting behind Shinsuke, and that was great. Like, real good heel work by Sammy. So, um, I thought it was a good match. Oh, I meant, we never even talked about it. What did you think about the 24-7 belt? Ooh, that was probably one of the lowlights of the entire show. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, it was, was interesting true. because Gronk, so famous, um, him having him as a host, I was a little surprised he got his first little promo bit. He looked real nervous. Like he kind of stumbled over his words a little bit, which is, it's his first time. I'm not passing judgment. I just expected him from having been a star and been in front of microphones so much. I expected him to be a little better, but I, I thought that was insanely cheap, which is the 24 seven championship is, but like he it's beat our so truth with like a weak punch to the stomach. But come on. You know, I would have rather seen if they wanted to do a segment with Gronk, I would have wanted to I wanted to see it in the ring. I agree. So maybe he's not ready, though. That was another thing I would say after seeing his little promo. I was like, maybe he's just not ready yet, which I would understand. You know, yes. I agree. Question from Chase. Do you think most folks didn't watch or tune out just like he did? He said he didn't watch or tune out. Didn't t- just tune it out. So what he said he think? didn't watch WrestleMania. It's his first time in a long time. And then Chase is like real, you know, into AEW. And uh, he's told me for a long time, we've talked about it, how much WWE's kind of turned him off. Um, I thought that this would be the lowest rated WrestleMania leading into it because of all the factors going into it, coming out of it after seeing like the two big swings that they took and that they hit. Um, I've seen a lot of people that weren't interested in wrestling at all signing up to go see these two things. So um, I think you're right in terms of, I think some people tuned out, but I think all the noise that they're making viral is going to bring a lot of people in. I will say this, Chase, if you haven't watched anything from Mania, at least try to watch the, the um, Undertaker thing and the Bray thing. They are far in a way worth watching. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as an AEW fan, he'll absolutely love them. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Any AEW fan should absolutely watch them. I think any AEW fan will really appreciate them. Yes. Okay. Jack. It's my son. This is a good question. Oh, this is your son. Okay. Yeah. He got a good good question. Pick any two wrestlers from WWE you would like to see go to AEW and vice versa and why. Um, 
So I think one is very easy because I think they're actually going to make the move soon. And one is the Revival. I think the Revival is an amazing tag team. I think they're great tag team wrestlers. We've seen them in NXT have some amazing matches. And I think they would kick tail in AEW. And I would love to see the Revival and the Young Bucks do business. I think that would be fantastic. Um, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb. I don't know how many people want to hear this. I'm going to say Elias. I think Elias has tons of untapped potential if you could get him away from his gimmick and his current placement on the card. The dude has incredible body, does awesome amounts of moves. I love the way he wrestles. He reminds me a lot of Randy Savage, like a ton. Every time I see I him, I kind of think that. And I think in a place like AEW, where it's a bit more like shoot scripted and he can be himself and kind of, I love his demeanor. Like when he, when he talks, he has like an intensity. That's where I think like, I, I remind myself a lot of like macho man. He likes those eyes and that stare that he does. If you give me like an Elias Cody feud, Cody can make Elias a star, like a top, top, top star. Um, when I went to see live shows, I've seen Elias three times. Uh, the two times that I've been there when he's done his little song, he had the entire stadium booing the shit out of him just for a little song bit he did. Um, I could only imagine if he actually got a push and a run, like with a real belt and a real push. Um, I think Elias is a star. I think he's a star in waiting. Okay. I'm going to give you my two WWE to AEW and I give you two AWWE. Okay. My first choice, Bobby Lashley. Okay. That's a good one. I think Bobby Lashley would kill an ADW. He would be such a dominant force. Plus, he's a big name already. He's a big name, and he's a big dude, and they don't have a lot of big dudes. I, I, I'm i with you. He could be like their Braun Strowman. Yes, I agree. And my second choice is somebody that WWE's not doing anything with. EC3. Ooh. That's Tal- a good one. Talented guy. Great talker. I can see him and MJF feuding, and it would be a blast to watch. I can see them tagging. That, too. <laughs> it's like you put them that- against each other. I was like, I can see them together. I can see. I can actually not to mention. I can actually see him and MJF and Wardlow forming a faction. Yeah, I could too. I that, that, that I can see that picture like that in my mind makes a lot of sense. Those are good. Those are good picks. Okay. And from AW to WWE, I'm gonna say Rio. Okay. Goes to WWE. I think her. I think she would add an interesting wrinkle. To the women's division. Okay. Because she is so good. She is so good. And she's so tiny. Yeah, she is tiny. So people like Nia Jax would have incredible matches with her. Hmm. I was thinking about women that I would send over. And I think like almost every woman that I would send over from WWE would instantly be like their best wrestler. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. So one more person from AEW I would send over to WWE. Who they who they would who WWE wouldn't mess up. You know what? That's another part of it. Hangman Page. He's got WWE written all over him. He's a WWE kind of guy. I think so. He could be like JBL. Yeah, I think he could be a mix of JBL slash Stone Cold. They would love Hangman Page. If I was gonna send a girl over, I would send Naomi. Because I think Naomi legit one of the best wrestlers in the women's division. Like Vastly underrated. As good as anybody. She is as good as Bailey, as good as Becky, as good as Charlotte. She's great. She would instantly be AEW's best, and it wouldn't be close by a long yeah, shot. I agree. Um, if I was sending people from AEW up, that's tougher um, because we've already seen so many of them. Like So many of them have already been there. I would love to see 
I would really love to see what AEW, especially specifically, I would like to say like Triple H. What I'm ultimately trying to say is I would love to see Adam Cole and Kenny Omega have a match. That would be awesome. That would be incredible. <laughs> it would be really, really good. Kenny Omega um, with Triple H and like just the NXT roster and stuff like that, I could see being a, a huge deal. But we've already seen them like uh, Pac, Jericho. You know, I don't know how much the Bucks fit up there. There's certain people I'm terrified to sit in WWE. Like uh, Darby Allin scares me to sit in WWE. Even Kenny Omega for that matter. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Because I don't know if they, I don't know if WWE would get it. Oh, I don't think they would. That's why I said specifically with Triple H and NXT, like leave, get them away from everybody else. Let Triple H handle it. I think Triple H has handled a lot of these stars as they come in really, really well. Um, you know, like we see, like he lot a lot of it is by letting them do the things they love to do, which is what AEW does. So, in that regards, I'd be okay with it. I agree. Great question, Jack. Okay, another question for Rob. Who do you want to see in a title mix with McIntyre going forth? Let me go pull up the roster again. Let's see here. McIntyre. So as we said earlier. Raw roster. Raw roster. Not a ton of heels, really. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins and AJ are the ones that you really have. Um, And Randy Orton. Yeah. Randy would be good. I think Randy's a good pick to get anybody over. Um. I don't like Rowan. Andrade's okay, but I mean, I don't know how much I believe. I think that's just like too big of a push. I would do Seth Rollins and only because I think you can work in his, his faction. So you could do, you know, Drew, Buddy Murphy, Drew, Seth, Drew versus one of the tag teams, get Drew a tag team partner, let him do it. You know, you, you can get a lot of run out of those. So all of those would be good. Um, Samoa Joe, if he turned heel. I would love to see Samoa Joe around the top card at some point, but he's another one that had the wellness policy stuff. Yeah, what is? Well, I wonder what Samoa Joe's wellness was. What did he fail on? Damn sure wasn't steroids. <laughs> <laughs> what did he fail on? Bobby Lashley? That'd be cool. Okay. I mean, he's a heel. He just lost to Aleister Black, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are they going to do, Alison Black? I feel like he's just floundering, doing nothing. I mean, that's he came up too early. Um, I mean, you can almost say that about almost everybody from NXT, right? Yes, They bring much. them all up. I, I got to tell you, the one match that I think has won my wife over more than any other match in terms of like her appreciating wrestling was that match between Adam Cole and Alistair Black. I was watching it like one day at TakeOver. It was the next day because I remember it was in the morning. I was just watching like the day after and they were beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> and she was like, wow, these guys are really wrestling. And like even like their level of intensity even brought her attention and she doesn't care about wrestling at all. And she was kind of into it. That's how much they were putting on a show. And uh, Alistair Black, Black screams NXT like he shouldn't be up there at all. Yeah, they're I just agree. not, you know, they're, he's not a mid Carter. Like you ruin there. There are certain characters, right. That you ruin by putting them in that place. Like there are characters above that standing. And Alistair black is one of them. Like you have to protect him as a character more than a performer. Like I he agree. can lose, but you have to care. You have to protect the, the character and they're not, they're like just destroying the character. <laughs> the whole knock on your, my door thing is garbage. What are you doing? 
This is Alistair Black. Oh. He's a freaking assassin. You know what I'm saying? Like he should be coming out and black massing everybody. Um, if anything, like he, you know, I would treat him almost like you treated like Sting, like when he was doing like the whole crow thing. Alistair Black should like have no allegiances, should not care about any belts. He should literally just be a badass. He should just come out into WrestleMania, like Rumble, Rumble, and just black mass like seven dudes. Like he should be feared, is really what I'm trying to say. Like when he comes out, it should mean something. I think NXT did that. I don't think anybody that they haven't done that since he's come up. It's, It's kind of ruining it. I agree with that. Final question we got. This is the go from John. Do you want to see WrestleMania stick the two nights in the future? I said this last week on the pod that I I wish they keep this going forward. And then I started thinking about it. In reality, it's tough, right? Because you sell tickets. So what are you going to do? You know, sell tickets for two nights or do you have to buy two tickets? Right. So that's like issue number one. If you do, if you leave it alone, let's say you buy one ticket to WrestleMania, you can go to both. Then the question is how many people show up both nights? Like, do you have an issue like where the card, you know, I do. I I enjoyed watching WrestleMania more as a fan that wasn't there because I didn't have to watch it for nine hours. It wasn't a super long show and it didn't end at like one in the morning. Like most WrestleManias have ended. Like my son has barely made it through WrestleMania most years, you know, like when he gets 1230 and stuff like he can't stay up any longer. He's clunking out. And uh, I like being able to watch these. It made the filler matches, if you will, quote, filler matches. It made them easier to digest because there wasn't four hours of them. Yeah. You know, it was I just a, a couple of them before the main events. So I liked it. I'd be okay with it. But it does come with its own challenges. Yeah, I, th- I liked it a lot. It made it more bearable to watch, made it easier to watch, made it more likely for me to watch all the matches because it wasn't that much of a time crunch. Yeah. You're not sitting there at 6 o'clock watching Mania till midnight. That's it, man. Wow, two think, hours. Yeah, we've been going. I didn't expect I think, it to be that long. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be long. We, well, we got one more topic, but we'll ta- we'll tackle that on the next episode. Because what we're we gonna do? Our um, favorite WrestleMania matches. I forgot yeah. all about that. Look, I'm just. We don't have to walk through them all, but I did write down my list, so I want to say them. Oh, go ahead. I, I got a couple I can name off the top of my head. I gotta find my list. Here we go. So I wrote these last week and you, it was so funny because you told me to hold off because we might have one of these that made the list. And I was like, yeah, right. Not at this WrestleMania. <laughs> Bray Wyatt Cena made the, he didn't make the list. He went to the top of the damn list. That, that was amazing. All right. I got Shawn Michaels taker at WrestleMania 25 and 26. Probably most people's opinions, the best segment of wrestling ever. The stories that Shawn Michaels and uh, Taker told on both occasions in two years were incredible. And there's a reason why uh, Shawn Michaels is known as Mr. WrestleMania. It's because he he always brings it. And that whole light, dark Jesus versus the devil type thing that they brought, um, that was fantastic. I, I, I think I believe and I think a lot of people believe that Taker probably should have retired then because I, I, yeah. it was fucking amazing. Um, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, kind of one, like one of the big reasons I got really back into wrestling, like his whole little run during the Occupy movement and how they tied that into real life. That really got me kind of excited for wrestling again in a way that I hadn't been for a long time. Um, WrestleMania three, 
Macho Man Ricky Steamboat. If you ever want to go back into the WWE Network and watch like some old stuff, that match is a bruiser. They beat the shit out of each other, and they are constantly going. That's a good match. Um, the table ladders and chairs match, right? The one that we all know, the Hardys, Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys. Great, great match. Um, WrestleMania 16, the triple threat between Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Kurt Angle. That, probably my favorite triple threat match of all time. I liked the Triple H Sting match. Completely overbooked. That was like an AEW type match. But, Way overbooked. But super fun. Super fun to bring in all those old personalities and have kind of like this little nostalgia trip. We don't have a bunch of those. And I thought it was okay. Sting should have went over, though. That was kind of some bullshit. Sting should have totally went over. That was garbage. And then um, the Shawn Michaels-Ric Flair match, the retirement match. Maybe the best storytelling I've seen inside of a ring. Like, you don't even have to know the build to the match. You can literally just watch that match. You can watch it with a mute. You can mute that match and just watch them wrestling, and you know exactly what the story is. And um, what a great way for Ric Flair to kind of go out, if you will. I agree. You named a lot of the matches I was going to name, so I'm going to name some different ones. Okay. Um, Xena Rock won. Ooh, good, good build. That, I love that one. I love Triple H, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell one. Tough, brutal match. Really good match. I want to say Hogan Warrior for nostalgia purposes. Okay. It's, and retrospective, it's not a good match. I think Hogan's best WrestleMania match was Hogan Rock. Yeah, that's what I, that was another one I was going to do on the Hogan Rock. And I say that, like, that's a really great example of how important a crowd is because the crowd got that match over. How excited the stadium got for that match made that match go to another level. Because, like, as a match, it's not, like, super great. They book Hogan, like, super smart. They kind of protect him like they do Goldberg now, right? They let him kind of get his stuff in. It's very slow. His punches are selling like he's super strong, you know, but like it's not like a great match, but it didn't have to be because the crowd was super over. Like they were all into it. Yeah, I agree. Um, was that, is that Mania? Well, oh yeah. WrestleMania 19, Rock, Stone Cold. Is that the first one or the last one? I think that's the last one. It's the one where Rock won. Okay. Okay. I think all of those were good. You know, here's the funny thing. For as amazing as both of those two are, I don't think we ever got the match that we deserve between the both of them. I agree. It's like their builds or promos were better than their matches. Like Stone Cold had great matches, right? Stone Cold had great matches with Shawn Michaels, with Bret Hart. But for whatever reason, I never felt it with, with The Rock. I never felt like it got there. He had good matches with The Rock. He had, he, I wouldn't yeah, say no, he had- it wasn't bad. Definitely right. It was, I'm not trying to say it's bad. It just wasn't like you feel like Stone Cold Rock should be like the greatest match of all time, you know, because they were two of the greatest wrestlers of all time in the same era. Um, but we never got that match. I think I think Stone Cold's matches like with Taker at Mania were better. That over really good. And it's one more I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Was Brett versus Stone Cold at Mania? I want to say that was 11, wasn't it? I don't think so. But I don't know. Let me look it up. Brett Stone Cold. You mean the t- the double turn? Yes. Was it Mania? I'm trying to find it. WrestleMania 13. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I just got to it. That's a good one. If anything, just for that... 
that lasting picture. That's yes. an iconic moment. You're talking about those mania that moments. That's a mania moment. Yeah. That's good. That's real good. Those are the ones off the top of my head. Now, if we go to if eventually when we do WCW, favorite matches, probably Starcade matches, it's a whole new list. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that'll do it, man. Two hours. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, probably won't have another one for at least a few weeks, right? I was going to say, I wrote it down. There was like a news story that, that WWE could be postponed or canceled because they're filming like in Florida where they're not supposed to be filming. But um, I just saw, I just saw a report like five minutes ago on Twitter that they're, they're going back to live shows. They're not doing the pre-taping stuff. So like not this week, but next week they'll be live again. So I think they're fine. They must have a loophole or something, but they're going back to live shows. Interesting. That is interesting because a lot of people are clamoring for them to stop and they're like, screw you. We're going to do it more. (laughs) 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 they're kind of leaning into it so that's that is very interesting we'll have to see um, what that looks like but yeah um we got what money in the bank in may yeah yeah so we should take a few weeks off enjoy the wrestling aw hopefully we'll get blood and guts dated soonish and we'll get back together and talk but man mania what a mania it was for all kinds of reasons yeah i agree it's really interesting because we were recording this while the Raw at the Mania is going on, so it's no telling what happened. I watched the opening, and it was, like, super chill. There was, like, a Liv Morgan match, and then, uh, like, I, when I turned it off, it was a rematch of the tag match between um, uh, Austin Theory and Angel Garza. <laughs> and and I did see that they're going to run the Boneyard match, too, so it didn't really sound like that hyped of a show, to be honest. So uh, I'm trying to see if anything, before we go, did anything come off? Well, Big Show's trending. <laughs> you want Big Show Braun again for them to go break the rings? Oh, what I said, well, I was talking about other there. Apparently, I guess it happened. Bianca Belair's on the main roster. And that's good. I, I'm afraid she's going to get lost in the mix like Naomi. I am too. And Nia Jax and Tamina and... <laughs> Everybody else lost the shuffle. There's too many people. They have too much talent. I mean, honestly, that's a big part of WWE's problem. They have too much talent. <laughs> yeah. They have too much and they don't know what to do with, you know, but their whole thing is they're trying. It's like they need another show or two. They've got talent every week that we don't even see on TV. Well, I think, well, we're going to talk about another episode, but they, they might need to just make NXT that other show. Well, I think they, point. yeah, that's what they're trying to do. I think they should just start putting some of the main roster people on there. Charlotte's already there. Yep. Leave her there. Yep. Put some people there. Put your best wrestlers on the NXT show and yeah. make that the show. Like like what SmackDown used to be. You remember when we all love SmackDown because Eddie and Kurt and Benoit and they were putting on hella matches, beating the crowd of each other. That's yes. what NXT should be. And they should leave those people there. Put Alistair Black where back where he's supposed to be. Yes. <laughs> I agree. You know, the NXT show is the show for people that can go. Talk about going, dude. WrestleMania, uh, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero. That's a great match. I was going. Th- I was thinking about that one too. When he took his shoe off, oh. you remember yeah. that, dude? That was yeah. that was amazing. He slipped out of the ankle lock with the shoe. See, that's the shit I loved about Eddie. Eddie Guerrero was the best, dude. He always came with these little angles, these little gimmicks that totally like set a story aside. And he he played it off so well because he made it seem like his foot was swelling up, so he was loosening his boot. <laughs> Brilliant. These are like the dusty things 
that are so, so stupidly simple that I don't understand why we don't see this every day. Like, why does every match have something like this in it? A little angle here and there. Instead of having a DQ, right, or like a finish like that, like we always have, why don't you have a finish like that? Where somebody like cheats to win, just barely though, not like blatantly cheats to win with a chair or something, just kind of cheats and doesn't always have to be the tights. Have yeah. them loosen a thing. Have them like fool the referee, like do stuff like that. Eddie was the best. Eddie was just the best. All right, man, we got to go. Let's get out of here. I got to edit all this. You got to send me other audio. It's too much. God, it's yeah. too much. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Sign us off. What are you doing? <laughs> you're trying to remember you're supposed to say? What are you supposed to say then? You're still the host. You have to sign off. Oh, yeah. Show. Oh, yeah. We got to sign off. Thank you for listening to this episode of PSVG Strong Style, <laughs> where I forget that I have to sign us off. Oh, my God. I'm Delvin. This is Donnie. We are out. Come on! <laughs> Too late at night. <laughs>Grouchy Surge here, and uh, due to popular request and the fact that Delvin didn't want to read 600 hours of my uh, drivel, I am sending this in. This is my Bray Wyatt fantasy booking till next WrestleMania. So, this is the way I want to see it play out. This is all in my head, and I know nothing I ever want to see happens. But, I really loved... The, uh, the whole mind fuck that they did with the Cena-Wyatt thing. I like the fact that it wasn't actually a match, and I'm hoping that this builds. So this is it. This is it. This is the fantasy booking. Now, Monday after Raw, one of the biggest shows of the year, probably the second biggest show of the year, figuring WrestleMania is the first. But I want Bray Wyatt to have a match. Not The Fiend. I want Bray Wyatt to have a match. Um, while he's having a match, John Cena interrupts comes out, cuts a promo, basically saying, you know, hey, Bray, whatever happened last night, that wasn't a match. That wasn't what we bargained for. That's what not what was planned. I need a match with The Fiend, a rematch. I need it to happen. Make it happen. Bray Wyatt just kind of like looks at him, laughs, stands over his fallen opponent, does the you can't see me, drops it, and then just leaves. Um... At this point, because John Cena's part-time, I only want him for the first half of the year to come back maybe once a month, once every two months. Come back, basically cut promos, stalking Bray a little bit, like, I need this match, you can't leave it hanging that way. After the whole build-up, you can't feel satisfied with the way this ended. You know, just have it slowly build, have Bray Wyatt continue to play mind games, um, have him not even mention Cena until Cena comes out, but then always have him doing something like maybe towards the six, seven month period, 
uh, Bray Wyatt comes out, does a match where John doesn't come out, and he starts doing the FU finisher on his opponents instead of the mandible claw. Just little things to keep getting jabs in there at what's, you know, just getting into uh, Cena's head more. As we get closer to Mania, let's say the two two uh, pay-per-views before Mania, Cena's starting to get desperate, coming out. Now he's demanding matches. Now he's physically interfering. Now he's starting to go like the Ken Shamrock, Kurt Angle way, where he comes out, he starts, you're going to give me this match. I'm going to get what I want. And when Bray kind of ignores him, starts getting in his head, he just does the whole snapping thing, starts physically attacking Bray. Bray just lets it happen, laughs it off like he has always done over the past like six years. Now we get to the two pay-per-views before Mania. Bray Wyatt has match scheduled. You see Bray get to the ring. John Wyatt attacks Bray's opponent before the match begins. Then Cena comes out dressed as that opponent, you know, whatever the gimmick is, comes out dressed as it, attacks Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt just takes the beating, lets him hit the finisher, and when Cena walks off looking confused, looking unsatisfied, Bray just laughs, 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 keeps getting in his head. The final month buildup before Mania, you know, you can have a bunch of promos cut, have more stuff, you know, Bray getting in his head, finally says, you know, John Cena, you finally let me in. Now you'll never get out. Flashes the fiend up on the screen. Laughs. Flashes WrestleMania on the screen. John Cena has a grin on his face. Looks happy that he's finally going to get his revenge. Then, you go to WrestleMania. You know, maybe a stipulation match. You have, you know, basically a big five-star match. You know, Cena's capable of putting it on when he has a good opponent. Bray's capable of putting on a good match. You have this huge, you know, five-star, maybe 15-minute match full of lots of wrestling moves, psychology, building a great storyline. Finally, Bray hits his finisher, gets the pin. Cena, physically exhausted, basically knocked out. Bray, you know, down on his knees, leans over Cena, or sorry, the Fiend leans over Cena, takes the mask off, and you can see him crying, pain in his face and his expression, like, like he really did not want to do this, like this was not the punishment that he wanted to give him, he feels remorse, the lights flash, come back on, Bray's gone, the only thing left in the ring is Cena, wearing the fiend mask out cold lights flash again the mask is gone now it's just cena out cold lights flash one more time cena's gone the ring's empty the announcers are like i don't know what the fuck just happened uh let's cut to a commercial break of a hot chick drinking a coke or something but that's it i just want a year-long build to the actual bray Cena match. I don't want like two or three matches leading up to it. I just want a whole lot of psychology, a whole lot of storytelling, you know, and it just has to be occasional. It just has to show Cena getting more and more frustrated until he finally snaps and starts going into the, this is what needs to happen. Bray is fully in his head. And then I want it to end with Wyatt actually winning. I think that would be a lot of fun. Anyway, thank you for uh, actually listening to this I love the wrestling podcast. 
I'm so happy that it has come to fruition, and I hope that one day maybe I'll get a chance to uh, be on it if I'm ever uh, not working when you record. Peace out. Trapper on, dudes.